Welcome one and all to the Mice Movie Podcast with friends, sponsored by Pauler, J.K. Lol. On this episode, Rip David Prowse, Viva La Revolution, and Zach returns from Chernobyl. Yay, I'm back from Chernobyl. And he killed Peter. I forgot to I add that. He, he, he killed kill Peter. Pete. I didn't kill Peter. He's saying that he didn't, but we all know he did. No, Alex Pierce... told me during, uh, through Messenger that he hasn't seen Peter since last week. So I just, I just want to point out that when Peter comes back, he's going to ask about the numbers. <laughs> what are the numbers he, be... he does not know what the numbers... He, did not, he does not know what those numbers mean. Where's Perseus, Chris? Chris, where's Perseus? Damn it! Where's Perseus? Who is Perseus? Better yet, don't why? Don't even, like, that's, like, I don't even know, how, like, Alex, <laughs> it would be, like, I, it would take me an hour to explain who Perseus is. Long story uh, uh, short, spoiler alert, Perseus isn't a person, it's an organization. Oh, you guys are talking about the video game. You guys are talking about the video game. Yeah, I did a thing a couple weeks ago, apparently. Video game. Okay. What, what, um, what do you want to start with? Let's get let's get let's get our uh, um, <laughs> let's get our. Uh, I am at a loss for words. Let's um, start. I'm at a loss for words. Rest in peace, David Prowse. Oh, oh yeah, that's very sad. I was going to make a joke about how it's a windy day and I could very easily be blown out of this tree at any moment, but that is true. That did happen. I'm sorry. Is that why it's a met day? No. No, there's okay. more to it than that. Um, Vikings lost. No, Vikings they did not, lost. actually. They did actually oh, did they, not. They didn't lose in epic fashion? God. No, I they thought... won in epic fashion. That's not yeah. good. Okay. Vikings, uh, Vikings need to fucking... Be consistent about something. Zach, if you talk more about the Vikings, it's gonna turn. It's gonna go downhill from there. Well, well, I just, get, I just, you're about to get like, I, you are gonna I, get a clueless level meltdown from me if Chris, you go, if you continue down this path, and it's not I, gonna I, be good. This is all I want. I just want the Vikings to be consistent one way or the other. That's it. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm gonna not say what I always say in hopes that maybe that'll change things. I'm gonna be positive. I, I just. I just want them. I just want them to be consistent. Is that so much to ask, Chris? Hey, maybe, uh, maybe. David Prowse never played for the Vikings, so he played Darth Vader. He was the voice behind. No, he wasn't the voice. Uh, James Earl Jones was the voice. He was the body he, yeah, behind the man. Until <laughs> yes. so Hayden Christensen came along. He was the man behind the suit. Too short. He was the man behind the suit. It's going to be very interesting considering the movie we watched today. Yes. Um. So we're not. I should. I should have. I should live with that. Um, we are not spinning a wheel tonight. We already did for Spider-Man Three. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, next episode will be Princess Mononoke, and I, in the meantime, I will try to raise Peter from the dead. Um, be hard, but we're gonna we're gonna use our voodoo magic and also like just call him. our voodoo magic. I thought it was yours. You have the doll. I know people who know voodoo. I have friends. Dude, I gave I mean, you Chris, the Chris, doll Chris. so we could pull this off. Chris, Don't Chris. T- tell me you didn't lose it. Chris, all we gotta do is tell him that all we have to do is tell him that David Lynch is gonna be on the show and he'll come. Uh, I gotta be honest. Not, that, that's not. That would be I don't think that's gonna work. It's not believable. 
I will I will tell you this right now. Peter is absolutely like I just I just showed him a, a, a movie in an episode of the show, and he is like down the rabbit hole within a week. Like I've never seen. It's like me. Like I love it. Um, but now like we're consi- seriously considering doing episodes of the Butter Cast on Twin Peaks or other David Lynch stuff, but certainly Twin Peaks. And uh, gotta say, man, it's a lot of fun being involved in a podcast that wants to talk about Twin Peaks. Like I said, all we got, Tom, is that David Lynch is gonna be on the show. He'll come running. <laughs> actually, I don't think you guys would like Twin Peaks. That's I actually point. think I would. Twin Peaks is kind of weird, and I think re- I think both of you guys would like season three because there are things about season three that everyone should enjoy. But the show that leads to it and the movie itself are other other stories, especially Chris. There's some some fucked up shit in that show that probably like I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how Chris. A- Alex, like, I think I think you I think you know I could handle Twin Peaks. Um, it's not so much the content as much as like the style, like not not even the David Lynch weird style, the melodrama of the first two seasons. Yeah. But um, yes, very much. That's yeah. Peter's Peter's in it, so I'm in it too. It's a great fall show. Twin Peaks guys. So now, if I have this right, based on what you've explained to me in the past, there is now some other supernatural being inhabiting his body at the moment, right? Yeah, it's called David Lynch. Peter, you mean? Yeah, Peter. Yes, it's a spirit from the place called the Black Lodge, and the spirit eats. Um, cream corn and uh, he he considers that the sadness of all humanity and um he kind of soups it up in a spoon and then a camera goes down a monkey's throat hmm. yeah, well that's gonna that's gonna be hard to overcome so chris all right let's talk about black ops cold war oh what? Alex, no, 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 no 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 hold on hold on hold on hold on could do like really <clears throat> trippy mind before, before like, that, Chris. Chris, before that, I want to talk about one thing specifically. Before that, it's Mando, isn't it? I want to talk about Rosario Daw. <laughs> Rosario. Okay. Um, oh, I want to talk Alex, about Alex. Your girl, Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. She freaking killed it. Yes, um, <laughs> like. It was jarring to see the live-action version of a person we're so accustomed to seeing on cartoon with a completely different voice actor. So I was, I gave it some leeway there. Like it was just jarring. It was, it was some adjust. I needed to adjust, but like besides that, she did pretty freaking good. Yeah. Damn it. He's now. muted. Cool. Oh, there he is. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to watch now. I'm not going to watch. If she's too good, it'll never meet my expectations. I'm never going to watch now. You're just giving me reasons not to watch. It's too good. Too good sounding. It sounds too good. I feel like I'm being attacked. (laughs) I will say this, Chris. I have heard a lot of the spoilers of the latest episode, including, yes, that, that Dawson is very good, as well as the few other spoilers. And... Yes, I'm very much looking forward to the show, but I think the more and more I do it, the more the more uh, good I hear it is, the more I'm like, just wait until the season's over and Christmas is over and family's done. And I'm like stuck in the middle of like winter and there's like all the seasonal shit is over. 
And that's the time to watch, um, what, 18 episodes of a show? 16 episodes of a show? 16, yeah. That's the time to go for it. I'll be done with Twin Peaks by then, like, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, but, like, the more I hear about it, the more I'm like, I just want to, like, eat these, like, potato chips. Especially if they're as good as people say they are. Then I'll savor it. If, like, if, if legitimately every episode is, like, a mini little Star Wars movie set in that universe that just has a continuous story to it, then, yeah, I'm going to savor those even more so. But I get to do it on my time, and I don't have to do it TV-wise. I, like, that's why I'm really jealous of Peter right now. He gets to watch Twin Peaks Season 3, all 18 hours of it, whenever he wants, at whatever pace he wants. And I had to wait week for week for that. Now, there was a lot of fun to that, and that is one of the great things about television, especially when it's something you love. That's what you do it for. But I have just enough distance from Star Wars right now to be able to stockpile that shit. And I'm even more excited for it. But yeah, I did hear a lot about this episode and I'm not surprised Rosario Dawson was good. But I was thinking in my head, like, um, is she sounding like the character? Is she, what is, what, like, what is her vocal, is she trying to sound she, like the voice actor? She sounds like, um, Raindrops in the... She sounds like it's her attempt at the character, which is correct. Um, I think there's... She sounds right, but, like, there's a little bit of vocal ticks that Ashley Eckstein, the actress who played her in the cartoons, did with her that Rosario Dawson... She's had more practice. Yes. Um, that Rosario Dawson has doesn't do, but that's okay. Like the 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 like the uh, it it sounds correct no matter what. Uh, it sounds like the character. It sounds. Um, I don't know if it's too much like Rosario Dawson, and it's I, I don't know. It sounds right. That's about it. That's that that that's my thought there. It's her go at the character. It's yeah. It, that's what you'd expect. Like yep. I don't expect her to sound like Ashley Eckstein, but when you have someone else other than Ashley Eckstein play that role, it's gonna sound weird after we've had like literally ye- literally years and across two shows of Ashley Eckstein playing that character, and now someone else is playing that character in a different media in a different way. It's gonna sound jarring. It's gonna sound off, but that's how it is. So yeah, there. The the other thing is that Rosario Dawson is a name that they can put in movies and in other live action roles, and we will get accustomed. <laughs> what? Never mind. Go ahead. Uh, and and so we'll have we'll have we have our animated Ahsoka Tano that will get when they do the cartoon stuff, which will be Ashley Eckstein every time. We can all get a Katie Sackhoff situation where she can play where Katie Sackhoff can play both characters. Uh, we have our split, but I think it's a good split, and I think uh, Rosario Dawson will do good work for the character going forward. Yeah, one's a voice actor, and yeah. one is an actress. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Rosario Dawson is the name. <laughs> She's also she's also talented. It's not like she's yes. nothing. You're right. She's she brings something to the table. She's passionate about the character. That's the kind of person you want to work with. Um, 
and I like Katie Sackhoff, so I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah. Um, well, like I, I said, we we my house and saw like five minutes. Not not. I'm sorry, like ten seconds of an episode, and I was like, yeah, man, this looks great. I can't wait. Yeah. So, like I said, we can't all have a, a Katie Sackhoff situation where uh, she gets to play both versions of the character. Um, Love Katie but, Sackhoff. Yeah, she she plays uh she plays the same character in all all variations of that character's appearances, which is cool, but um, we don't all get that. We all don't get lucky that that lucky, and that's just kind of the way the the world works sometimes. I don't think. I mean, I'm excited because that's the thing about Star Wars. Like, the extended universe is like, yeah, those characters were supposed to be live action eventually. That was the whole point. Make yep. that shit. Don't go prequels. Make new shit. And they didn't. They went prequels. Although the prequels have merits for what they're trying to do, they also didn't. They weren't necessary. And like, I'm happy that they're starting to do that with Mandalorian. But like, and I, I always figured that's what the intent of Mandalorian was: was to like be the place where all these characters in this section of the story of the saga can have their play in. And then it basically maybe at some point isn't even basically about a Mandalorian anymore. It's, it's a basically the Star Wars show. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm also excited for the Obi-Wan thing. So uh, yeah. this is all fine. This is all fine stuff. I'm, again, I've made my argument about new things, but uh, it all sounds great. Like none of it. Not, no, I've, I've heard very few complaints about the season. I've heard more people say that it's better than the first in a lot of ways. All right, all right. Now that we've gotten Rosario Dawson out of the way, let let's talk about the thing. Grogu, 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 not Glogu, Grogu. Grogu, 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 Grogu. I'm used to that. Somebody, okay. So like, um, hold on. It's just two different ways to say the same word: grow and grew. Grogu. 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 My name's He's Steve already Steve. gonna say it wrong for the next three months, and we're just gonna have to deal with it, everyone. Um, we're we're gonna get through it as a family. Um, it's Grogu. 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 Okay, Grogu. So when you grow, you produce goo. Grogu. Yeah, Grogu. Yeah, uh, that's how they make I, that. I, that's I, how I, they make I, that I, toy slime. There's a lot of toy slimes, man. You gotta be more specific than that, Gak. Yeah, that that is that is the official official name for um everybody. Everybody. I am actually glad that they dumped up dumped everything on about Baby Yoda or Grogu at this like right here. I'm glad that they did because like someone made an argument was like like um Star Wars Explained the YouTube channel was like listen like I like the mystery. I, I like like I like the mystery. I wish they had gone with that. I like the 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 uh, mystery of the of it just being the child. You don't know where it came from. I was like, you really think that? Like, for my my opinion on it is, how long do you think you can keep that up? Like, if you dumped that at the end of the show, right? If you decided, I'm just gonna like. We're gonna wait till the very end of the show to, ex- to like, explain everything, and then that information does not 
like if that information kind of like ruins it a bit, like you risk like ruining that, and then when people go back and then they're just gonna sit back and be like, the darn child made this Grogu. It's so bad. I'm Let glad me... they did it now. Now they're forcing people to deal with it. Well, like this, if people this, don't like I... it, they can go yeah. forward with it. This this say, um I hate to mention Twin Peaks again, but I will. Um, the thing that canceled the show in the first place was that the initial, the initial mystery of the show, which was who killed this specific person, was revealed. And the reason that mystery is so important is it causes constant intrigue and mystery. And mystery, and it involves all the characters of the show. And it um, um, brings up other mysteries and unfolds up. But it's never really necessary about Laura. The, that comes in later to the show when they can do that. But it, once once they reveal that, that element is gone and it wrecked the show. Here is a character that is a main character of your show. And you're going to follow him for a long time. It's like any show. It's like Lost. Lost built episodes around flashbacks of information that it gave about its main characters at specific key points of the series. If yes... You give that information about him and where he was at the time of Order 66 and all that shit. Like, I, that stuff at the end of the series, it has to have a weight to it. It has to have reason to it. But you've already done that. You already did that in your last show that you just ended. You ended it on Order 66. So since that's still fresh in people's minds, man, bring it back again. Put it as the, out, put it as the backstory of this character. You're right. Dump it all now. Because he is your main character. You need to continue with his stories later, not continuing to give us bits and information about him. No. The more we know about him, the less we care about his backstory, unless it's really juicy stuff. No. Give us the backstory of your main character, you know, now. This is the proper time to do it. First we like him, now we want to know more about him. Yep. What's funny is now, so Ahsoka said, no, I'm not trading this boy. It's too attached to you. Mando. So she's like, okay, compromise. Take it to a planet called the uh, Titham. There is a mountain. You must, like, 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 like Abraham and Isaac, you must put this baby on the, on this pedestal at the top of the mountain and it will decide it's where it will, it shall decide its path. And it, it should have choose. And, so, so, like, so, Chris. Nah, blah, blah, blah. So when that when Grogu chooses at that point, a Jedi may come for them. So oh, now everybody's like, "Oh no, are they bringing in Luke Skywalker?" Wait, so Chris, Chris, are which you would be a really messed up ending for the child. That would be so, so effed up. So, so you're so you're <laughs> telling that's how me, it ended for her. So, so you're Jeez. telling. You're telling me that when they go up the mountain and the and the kid gets lifted up, they don't sing "Circle of Life." Circle of Life, and it moves the song. That was amazing. I want my money. Amazing. I want my money back. I want no. I want that money back. No, that was bad. Sorry. For me, it was beautiful. We we nailed it, you and I. That was a moment that I will cherish for the rest of my life on my end. I heard we were perfect. <laughs> we weren't we weren't good, but we were perfectly in sync, and that was enough. That was enough. Was that was that what you were thinking, Alex? 
Yeah, that's all I needed. Synchronicity that could only be heard on my side. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> guarantee you that. Guarantee you, Grogu ain't making it to the mountain. Guarantee yeah. it. Okay, There's so no way. I don't think. I I I haven't watched the show, and the production value is amazing, and they're bringing a lot of people in. I think Luke Skywalker would be way too early for that shit. But also, Mark Ham- Mark Hamill's in pretty good shape. I think he'll show up at some point. But I don't. We all know where he leads to. He, he's ar- he, he's right, already been in the saying. show. Well, Mark Hamill's already been in the show once. Not as Luke Skywalker, but as a different character. Yeah, we all know that. I'm talking about Luke Skywalker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, it I, would be so messed up if he if Grogu ended up with Luke Skywalker. That's messed up. Yeah, because kid does. Several levels. It would be. It would be maybe if we're hoping and lucky. The second genocide he survived. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I know spoilers. Baby. I know spoilers. I know spoilers. Um. So yeah, that that Mandalorian has been very on point. <laughs> the thing about the Mandalorian is that you have this alien that can live for a very long time. Regardless of whether he goes with Luke Skywalker or not, he'll live. And uh, I, we're going to see this guy grow up. He is a great example of something that can connect the past and past characters to the future because of his age. So, if we're lucky, the the um, Obi-Wan show will probably see him in there too somewhere. And then Obi-Wan is someone who goes from like one point to like being an older gentleman. So, like, Maybe we'll see him there too, but like that baby is a link from one generation to another and others in the future, past Rise of Skywalker even. So I yeah. even if he does go to Luke, I'm assuming he survives, and I doubt that they want to do that because that's the key to that character. You know, we love him. He survives an entire show, and then like Ahsoka, he's on another show or a movie if we're lucky. But he can he is there that can be like another Yoda for somebody else. Like what what? Grogu. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think this is a character that Disney's banking on for the long run. I hope so, because like he doesn't always have to be a baby. Like yeah. we have Muppet babies, man. Let's see if he's like Kermit or Fozzie or Piggy. I hope he's like Fozzie. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so we've talked Mandalorian, Chris. Let, let's, okay. let's 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 circle quick, back before to... we do. Before we do, Alex, okay. I had a thought earlier in the week, mm-hmm. and here's what I was thinking: What if the guy running the Surfer Facebook fan page is actually Douglas Berg? Well, he hasn't responded to what I said, so either he took it to heart and is applying it, or he is just like, I know. <laughs> yeah, if Wouldn't did, that be yeah. amazing, though? <laughs> So, so I've made I made it very clear in my message on there that I fucking loved his movie. And I explained why I loved it, and I explained where I was coming from. I left it. I gave no fucks given, and I made it very clear where I was coming from. But I also made it very clear, very clear. I loved this movie and wanted many people to see it. And I don't know the movie biz, and he's obviously working it on his own level, and he's trying to get the audiences that he wants, but like it's a quarantine, dude. This is the perfect time to put this shit out there. It will build an audience so that when it gets to the theater, it's a thing where you can be like, yeah, put my movie out there. And they'll be like, it doesn't have an audience. You can be like, look at this. Look at that. Like, I, this is yeah. the time 
do it. That's why Wonder Woman's doing it. Like, this is a movie that will survive in midnight theaters alone. It has the ability to do that. When theaters yeah. come back in any capacity, whether it's small or big, this movie can make it to midnight movies, just like Rocky so, or just like all the others. So, so, so Alex and Chris, uh, when... When we get to the end of the episode, I actually have a proposition that I that I want to suggest to both of you, you as a as a surfer, surfer teen type outing for the three of us that that's coming in a few weeks. And I already mentioned it to Alex, and and I want I don't know, I don't know if Chris is going to be into it as much as you and I. I want I want I want Chris to do this because I think Chris would lose his mind if he got to do this, but. We'll, we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later, but let's move on to the thing that I'm sure Chris has waited to talk about on this for a few um, weeks now. And I have been... This is a check, everyone. It's not on Tubi yet. Damn it. it it's not on... Oh, that's unfortunate. It's not on Tubi. Not yet. Uh, We're working on said, it. So, so... But it's because you do not know. So, 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 so... <laughs> so... I have been missing for what now five six weeks something like yeah, that. Yeah, we've been looking everywhere for you. Like Alex has been in that tree with his binoculars, looking like every like whatever whatever chance he gets. Like yeah, just, I should have gotten out of the tree. I do my best. He's like I, that one character from that animated Sinbad movie who's in the perch. Oh the yeah, ship. never seen it. I oh my god. <laughs> I disappeared again like I did last year around the same time worked on a a a thing that that launched on November 13th known as Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. <laughs> oh I also <laughs> did a thing for Chris that he Yeah, he gave me a free copy and I feel extremely humbled by that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I it didn't cost me anything, so that's okay. Oh, it cost you this. <sighs> I don't know. Oh, what wait, this it is. cost no, no. Hang on, sorry. I am mixed up. I am. Adler has gotten to me. I'm remembering separate realities. Like, uh -oh. oh my god. <laughs> so, so Alex, Chris, I cannot wait to try to explain this to you. Chris, so, so before we get deep in the nitty gritty on this. Did you enjoy the campaign, Chris? The more I think about it, honestly, like I enjoyed it when I like it was fun, but the more I think about it, I'm like, what the hell was that? <laughs> did I did I do the good? <laughs> I'm sure you gave plenty of notes that So I'm sure you I'm sure you gave notes. I, is, there a, I, is there a point in the game when someone says hashtag back to Willow? <laughs> no. Oh man, I would kill. I would kill. I would I, kill. If, if I, ever uh, got that out back, I would literally get down on my hands and knees and like say we're not worthy to you. I would just <laughs> 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 um, that would, if like for no reason in the middle of the most dramatic scene, this guy's like, You gonna give me my daughter back? You've been taking my stuff, you've been taking my daughter, give me my daughter back. The guy's like, Whoa. Back. Hashtag back to Willow. Where's my money? In the Cold War. Yeah. In the Cold War. Um, yeah. Willow's not even out so, yet. I'm talking yeah. about Willow, my friend who you killed. Hashtag. There's not even Willow. Willow. Uh, <laughs> Shut up, I, uh, Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a thing and it's gone and done and yeah. 
Listen, so, like, so Treyarch continues to mess with the formula. Like, do they? In, like, Infinity Ward, like, they've been making, like, World War II, like, shoot 'em ups for years before Modern Warfare came out. Then they came up with Black Ops. And then that was just like, then they, now they're getting bold. And like, dude, Alex, I can't even describe the sequence where they were like, where your character is trying to remember a certain event. And like, it turns out that it was a fab, that it was all fabricated by your oh. government. Oh, and you're, t- oh you're talking you, about. They're leading you through Ratchet, all these uh... different scenarios, all these scripted like scenarios in your head while you're high as all get out and like at one point like the guy your handler um named adler um not irene adler um come on irene adler not rachel not rachel mcadams um come on rachel mcadams so um so what happens is like he like he tried to lead you through all these scenarios. It's kind of like Stanley Parable if you've ever seen it. But like, it was so trippy because at one point all the Vietnamese soldiers that you're fighting in this game all become Adler. At one point, like every single one of them is the same person, and they're the person talking to you on the in the real world whilst you're going through this like simulation mind fuck. <laughs> and, so so and like. And it was Chris, like I was like, oh my god, this is happening. I, and then I don't know. Twitches, like I don't. Oh I my don't, god. I don't know if you got far enough into that level, but there's a zombies Easter egg in that level too. Where if you go oh into oh my god, that's even better. If you go into the cave, uh, the you know the second run through of that where you go through the cave with the bow and you kill the guys. Uh, I okay. If you I go in, love. if you go, if you go in there during the third time. And you go down a corridor, you'll eventually get attacked by a bunch of zombies. It's really cool. <laughs> okay. It's all over um, YouTube. You can go look it up. It's great. <laughs> so, my thing... Okay, so here's... Okay, um, so, it would be amazing if, like, similar to how Black Ops 2 D, uh, origin DLC ended, where it was all kind of like in a child's... Like a child's fabrication. I would love if that was the case. Yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> okay. I, um so so overall, what did what did you think? Did you like it? Did you did you not like it? Did didn't you like, the... like I liked the gameplay. I went as John Wick as possible cuz like that's <laughs> the Call of Duty. That's the Call of Duty I know. Um and so overall, I, like more I think about it, the more I'm like what in the world was that even? And like, where, like, so, what, like, Treyarch is bold in that, like, like how Black Ops 3 campaign was, where it was just like, you were the person that was walking you through the entire experience. Like, you were already that person. You were already dead. Or whatever theory is prevailing out of that uh, whole mess. But like, um,. They are bold, and they are like, like it, they are their their trick is like psychological, like mind games. What is real? What is not? And they use the and 
Um, it's kind of becoming like a one-trick pony. Like, kind I'm of. hoping that I'm hoping that they kind of like, like, um, actually like use it meaningfully, like they did in Black Ops One again at some point. Um, like, otherwise, yeah, I was like, okay, so it didn't really feel kind of fulfilling, really. Like, they set you up like, this is what's going on. Um, you need to get this guy and go. And, like, you never, you never see this guy and like Perseus, like the, the antagonist is Perseus, right? And he's like bad Russian guy, blah blah blah. Excuse me. Um, and excused. Thanks. Um, so you never meet this guy, and you're going to extreme lengths to get him. Like, and you're. It kind of just felt twisted. The twisted turns were just there for the sake of it. And it felt like it was, it kind of retread. It kind of like redid some Black Ops 1 stuff all over again. Like it, they just did it again, but differently. And then there being multiple endings, I was like, okay, like Did the ending that I got, the ending that I got, I saved the world. Okay, I saved Europe from nuclear, nuclear Armageddon. Yep. Okay. And like my ending was that I okay, so I did that. Um and then Adler killed my character. Uh, <laughs> the bad ending apparently was that you lie to Adler about where Perseus is. <gasps> and Europe is destroyed and you oh, kill God. everyone on your team. Oh my Unless god. That's one of the three endings. I don't know what the middle one was, but like that is if I had gotten that ending, I would have been like, this game is insane start to finish. Like, that changes things. Like, the good ending makes it just, like, a mundane experience. But, like, I'm, and I, I'm a, when I play games, I try and go for games like Choose Your Own Adventure Game. I try to go for the good ending because that's just how I'm wired. But, like, that was just so mundane. I was like, oh, they just killed me. Well, what the hell? Um, so... Discovering the fun of storytelling. Yeah. So video games are gonna outlet movies. So then at in that case, I was like, okay, that would have been an insane ending, and I definitely wouldn't have seen it coming. Kinda would have been amazing, although you would have killed probably the two of the most popular Call of Duty characters of all time. And I England. kinda wasn't okay with that. <laughs> England. So, you you forgot the most important thing that that ending also reveals about the whole main villain. You're pregnant. That he wasn't. He was just an organization. Yeah, kind of like um, kind of like the apostles in Mission Impossible. Yeah, kind of like that. Okay. Yeah, that Perseus wasn't a person. Perseus was a group of people. Or like tonight. Or like tonight. Exactly. Um, tonight. So. I actually like the bad ending a lot. It, 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 it's really good. Uh, yeah, you kill all the characters that mean something to you, but the it, it actually reveals stuff about the organiz about the group of characters and all the other stuff that's way more interesting. Um, I do have to say, like Adler, right? Yeah, 
take off your sunglasses for God's sake. <laughs> he's wearing these. He's wearing this. Um. Uh, um. Hold on. They're, like uh, he, he's wearing he aviators. Dude, he's not. It's not like aviators. It was like what's his name, Jim Jones. Like he was wearing those sunglasses, and like he would yeah. never take them off. We're disguised as like Soviet officers in the um in the KGB building in Moscow. And he's got these stupid aviators on. And I'm like, that is the most yes, American cool thing on your stuff. face right now. You are wearing it in Moscow. What is your I problem? I don't like America. I, I just like glasses. I don't like America. It's just cool glasses. I'm Joe USA. What do you want? I'm Soviet officer. Vodka. Uh, hold on. I can actually... Uh... Or was it Doug Jones? I forget his name. But like the, the the obnoxious aviators, I was like, take it off. Just take it off. I can't take this. Like, come on. Yeah, take it off. Take off those glasses. Take off <laughs> and he's just like, Man, like, I like my glasses. He's like, no, take them off. They'll point you out in five seconds. Take them off. You have to say it like that? Yeah, take them off. Okay. Just amazing. It was just amazing. Um, so I just thought that was funny. I mean, he was walking through the KGB building with these stupid aviators on in, in a Soviet officer outfit. And <laughs> it was just so dumb. That is dumb. And <laughs> fun dumb. And the guy who is investigating a ball in the KGB, which is how you got into the Soviet building, who is Imran Zakayev, who is a villain in Modern Warfare, which is awesome. Um, Call of Duty Shared Universe, guys. <laughs> Call of Duty Shared Universe, they're going with it. Oh my god. So, uh, I'm a man. He should have realized why is he wearing aviators in this building? <laughs> like, yeah, they're, looking for a, they're looking for a mall and he's wearing aviators. I mean, fuck off. It's <laughs> never sunny in Russia. I've never been, but I don't, like... It's never sunny in Russia, but I've never yeah. been. I don't know. Yes, but um, you, sometimes I, so you need to be mysterious, like play poker yeah. to mysterious high days. Chris, oh. have you have you had a chance to play multiplayer yet at all? No. No. Nope. No. Okay. Nope. No zombies either. Nope. Fair enough. Listen, Zach. Bad end. Zach, when the clan calls, the clan calls. That's all I'm the, gonna say. The clan. Yeah, when the I, clan I don't know. calls. Not, not, no, not that clan. Not that clan. No, Alex. No, no, not that clan. Not that clan. Looking for a cross? Are they gonna put a cross out here? Not that clan. Talking about gaming clans, like that uh, kind of clan. I think they're called regiments now. A clash of clans. No, not in Call of Duty. In a different game. I, I they think, call. I, they I call. think they're. I think they're called regiments now in Call of Duty. Well, good for them. Good anyway, <laughs> um, I just realized how bad that sounded. Like I, oh man, guys, if you haven't noticed, Chris is black. <laughs> and you are. And white. And white. Um. And white. So, so you're mocha. So you're, so you're mocha. I'm vanilla chocolate. Thank you. The best kind. Wow. I mean, best kind of anything. Yeah, I agree. My mom used to make this like thing that was like melted 
versions of them both that like swirled around each other into one big thing, then we break it off and eat it. That was great. Marble cake is amazing. Marble cake. Um, marble cake is amazing. You are very right. I bread marble every day. Marbles on the marbles on marbles on marbles. Other than that, like, yeah, it's just wow. Uh, I like the block. I like the blockbuster feel. I'm glad it's back. Like, I missed that kind of in Modern Warfare where they decided to tell a fictitious Americana story. Um, so. It's more of a world story than Americana story, but. Uh, fabricating a Middle Eastern event in a, in a made up Middle Eastern country. That's a little. That's a little stretch. That's, uh, that's, that's where, where, where all the main characters are like British. Or Middle Eastern or Russian. If it's, a, if it's an and American it, game made by an American company, it's an American perspective. Sure. So there's that. Um, anyway. So <laughs> that was crazy, kind of unfulfilling, but I appreciate that they're not like, they're not entirely mundane. Like, they'll throw trippy imagery at you and twist your head into thinking what is what is real and what is not. But, like, when there's not a lot of substance behind it or repetitive stuff behind it, it loses its punch. Uh, for me, honestly. That's, okay. kind of like Tony, that's kind of like Tony Scott's editing process in movies like Man on Fire. I'm just not a fan of that kind of whoosh, splash, kind of flashy style. After a while, it just gets very repetitive for me, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not a fan. Yeah. I also, I must say, the guys who played um, Alex Mason and uh, Frank Woods, they did a spot on job, even though they were replaced. Telling you, dude, in block, block, Call of Duty Black Ops 1 is Sam Worthington's best performance. Changed my mind. Like, Probably. changed my mind. No, actually, it's the shack. No, it's not. <laughs> I've always wanted to see Man on Ledge. I everybody so says that's the best. So what's weird for me is maybe this is just because you know I I've been dealing with that thing for the better part of almost a year now. Uh, is uh, that thing? Yes. Is that um. I actually like Damon Victor Allen, the guy who plays him now, much better than his uh, old actor. I don't know, I, man. I I think I I just I don't know what what it is, but like I also like the guy who plays uh, Price in Modern Warfare way better than the old actor. But <laughs> yeah, there's a lot less cheese behind that role, but like, like. That's a close call, man. Oh man, that's a close call for me. I do like the new actor a lot. I like like a lot, a lot. Like, I think I think um, Seven Worth the could drop a better f bomb. Um, anyway, but like that's not the main point. But, yeah, like, so Barry, Barry Sloan, Barry Sloan. I I'm a much bigger fan of Barry Sloan from last year. Uh, Barry Sloan also, you know, was on Revenge for years and years. And is in Shameless, and... <laughs> I'm sad that uh, 
Ed Harris and didn't come back to play Hudson. Like, yeah, that guy, that guy just like. I also think the, the new actor they got for Hudson is pretty good. Ed Harris. Yeah. I don't know. The guy in Black Ops Two is like, is, a, is pretty funny. Like, okay, me, do it, do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a Mason. Oh, no, you're okay. You're right. This guy is much better than that guy. Who? <laughs> which guy? Ed, okay, no. The guy in this game is better than the guy in Black Ops 2. Like, Oh, yeah. Not even a question. <laughs> Wait, the guy who played Hudson? I'm pretty Hudson, sure... Or? The guy who played Hudson. I'm pretty sure yeah, yeah. he could sell getting both knees blown off with a shotgun and then sliced in the throat with a heart medallion. Much better than the guy in Black Ops 2 did. Oh, 100%. I, just give me a chance to go method, and I think I can nail it. <laughs> so, so uh, it... For, so for if we don't hear from Alex so, ever again. So, so he... for, re- for for reference, Chris, it was Ed Harris in Black Ops One, Michael Keaton yep. in Black Ops Two. What? And then, and then Peter and Michael in Cold War. <laughs> Michael Keaton was Hudson in Black Ops Two. Yeah, I can see that. I can't. Oh my god, my mind is blown. It's like finding out the glass in John Wick Three isn't real. The glass in John Wick Three isn't real. It isn't real. I mean, the glass are in the knife fight. Like that's the yeah. one that blew me. That blew me away. Yeah, it's not real. You didn't know that. Shut up. Um, <laughs> it's movies, man. That's what makes it so much. Oh, fun. Zach, I wish I missed you. Um, so... <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I'm here all week, guys. <laughs> anyway. Cold War. It did, in fact, feel cold at some points, but still fun. Yeah. I like the whiz bang Hollywood shooter. Make more, Treyarch. <laughs> and I want a sequel to Inf- I want a sequel to Infinite Warfare now. That game is actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think Advanced Warfare is like super fun, but I don't want. Uh, does anybody really want to like? I don't, That's the one that no one talks about. Well, there's a reason for why certain not. reasons. Yeah, his name's Kevin Spacey. So what? <laughs> not even Troy Baker, who is the guy who died in the beginning of that game. Like he's like, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, because of Kevin Spacey. That's like yeah. the whole reason. <laughs> that has that's no talk about that one. Yeah, like we don't play the campaign because we don't support Kevin Spacey, but the multiplayer. Go. You do get to drop him off a building into a fire pit. You do get to do that. You do get to brutally murder him. It's true. Interesting. So that that would be a perfect reason to get into gaming. You could drop Kevin Spacey from a roof. Um, <laughs> and the way you said it, it sounded like a really good line in like a Wu Tang song. You can get into <laughs> game. You drop Kevin Spacey off a roof. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I right, dang it. I got to pour one off of David Press. Hold on, I gotta get my uh, I gotta get my water bottle here. Traverse my room here. He's traversing his room for his water bottle. He doesn't walk. He has got the water This one's for you, David Press. My floor is wet now. Oh damn! 
Yeah, I uh, bit of an accident there. Um, way too much. Anyway, because he can't control his water, his drinking habits. Are so, 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 Mike Triple H. Let's let's talk about this movie. Um, so, okay. So Zach gave me that free code, right? I was yes. like, dude, I will pay you back. And Zach was like, no, it's fine. I was like, damn it, we're doing V for Vendetta. <laughs> we're doing it. <laughs> as soon as he gets back. Same as we did for Treasure Planet. So, like. I thought. I thought and you asked like, for it, too. You wanted it. I did. I, I did. And, and there was a reason. Well, there's a few reasons. Uh, one is the political climate that's going on in the U.S., really scarily mirrors what's going on V for Vendetta. Uh, including the, 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 the really, and this is like really tinfoil hat, the possibility the U.S. government created the coronavirus. What? No, I'm talking about real life here. I'm talking about real life here, Chris. Come on. No, my tablet's going off for some reason. Oh. Hold on. Uh, like the, the idea that people think that the U.S. government created the coronavirus so Joe Biden could win. Which is something that happens in V for Vendetta, which gets the the bad guys in power. <laughs> so anyway, we bypassed the wheels. Last episode, we spun the wheel and we got Princess Mononoke, which we will do next episode. And I'm so but excited. Since Zach, but since Zach is back, hashtag Zach is back. Hashtag Zach is back. And he wanted it. We're giving him V for Vendetta. And I mean literally... I am giving him Beaver Vendetta. I mean, I would have been fired with Princess Mononoke too, to be 100% honest with you. Well, we but, didn't know that at the time. Well, yeah, obviously. Oh, that's uh, the wheel. Cool. Yeah, the, the wheel is an interesting <laughs> one. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I thought it would, it, would, it would make a lot of sense to kind of talk about it a little bit. And uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of parallelisms with real life right now, which is kind of scary. Uh, but, uh, I think that, uh, there, I, I, I think that it's also just a really good movie. I think Chris, well, Chris, have you seen V for Vendetta before? No. You only haven't? The cine, only the CinemaSins video on it, but that, okay, that that's, was a long time that, ago. That, that, that's fine. So Chris, I, I wasn't sure if Chris had seen it, so I thought that it would be really interesting, uh, watch for Chris overall. Uh, and I think there's a lot of ideas that's pushed off and pushed into this movie that uh, are very good and very interesting, and it's very much an a film about anarchy and and uh, and fuck the police and shit like that. Is it? Not really. It's more like Big Brother, anti big government more than anything. Um, so, uh, Zach, do, do you want to start it? Is there anything that you wanted to say about it? So, uh, I can talk, uh, very briefly about, uh, the history of the movie a little bit, I guess. Uh, so, V for Vendetta, uh, is a, uh, movie based on a comic written by the illustrious and wonderful Alan Moore. Uh, Chris, you would know Alan Moore as the man who who wrote Watchmen. Yeah, I would. Uh, he also wrote uh, The League for Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I believe, what else did Alan Moore write? Uh, he wrote a bunch of stuff. But uh, Alan Moore was, like, super anti-government, and he, he's kind of... I don't know if you've seen the the political stuff, but he's kind of like vermin supreme a little bit, a little crazy, a little, little out there. This uh, is w- a witchcraft. Yeah. Um, Alan Moore also wrote uh, the seminal classic uh, Batman the Killing Joke. Uh, he wrote... Um, Batman the Killing Joke? Yeah, uh, basically, if if the if it's a comic and it's made you think a lot about things, there's a very high chance Alan Moore probably wrote it or directly influenced it. Him and Frank Miller were very prominent at the same time, I believe. Yes, right? yes. Uh, and they're big, they're big old names, but Alan Moore was the Alan Moore wrote. Uh, his big theme was. Um, people with too much power telling stories about what happens when like one person or the wrong people have too much power and was very interested in stories like that yeah he was very very anti big big uh big government and all that uh and he uh he also like very much uh he's also kind of a a a weird guy because he's really into like magic and shit and he looks like a hobo, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, but uh, he uh, he's also very notoriously against people making movies out of his works because he doesn't. Yeah, they did not okay, work out. So here's the thing: like he hates people making movies out of his works. <laughs> I have to I have to jump in and say this real quick, but like, if anyone out of all the people who have made work, who've made movies out of his stuff literally i if i recall correctly like i think the wachowskis are probably the best to have done it well the wachowskis the didn't Zack even direct Snyder, this they didn't I know, direct but they it. wrote it yeah. no they yeah I'm they looking wrote at it. this movie right no i know this screams wachowski even visually it screams wachowski yeah well, I, i'm gonna get it i'm gonna into that. I'm gonna get into but, that. But Chris, gonna, this is directed by the guy who did Attack, who who assistant directed Attack of the Clones. Oh god! At least it gave the man work. Sure. Okay, I'm, it I'm gonna, gave the man employment. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get into who made this and what happened a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, but, but like, uh, if you're gonna put it in anybody else's hands, don't put it in Zach's. <laughs> sure. Uh. Anyway, but th- this is irregardless. He always told them that he didn't like it and that if they were doing it, they were doing it without his blessing. But like DC owned it, so, so did right. DC ahead. owned it. DC owned it, so it doesn't matter. Um, okay, no, there, there's another th- uh, Alan Moore after League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I believe one more happened. That it was from Hal, not- from Hal, from Hal, from Hal. Right? Yeah, that's right. The Johnny Depp Heather Graham movie. Um, they both those movies did not do well. He didn't like the adaptations, and he basically was against Hollywood after that. He had already tried to make a deal for this movie a long time ago, and was very like positive yeah. about it in the early '90s. But by then, when the other ones didn't do well, he just like backtracked altogether, and they never really got in contact with him between them. So when they were like, "Well, the movie's a go," and they started talking to him about it, he's like, "I don't give a, I don't give a shit anymore." And he sold all of his rights to everything so that the uh, the uh, artists who drew the pictures get the money instead of him. And he doesn't care about that anymore. And he doesn't want... And so that's why there's many adaptations of his work out there. 
and he just doesn't take credit and he doesn't take yeah. any money. The the other thing is that about five, ten years ago, uh, about five years ago, uh, he got into a big brawl with DC because they wanted to reboot Watchmen and he didn't want them to reboot Watchmen. But DC's kind of like, well, you sold it to us, so sucks to suck, basically. And he basically yeah. said he basically said he'll never support a Watchmen thing ever again. And then shortly after that, the Watchmen show came out and was a smash hit. Yeah. Um, you can't, so it's, that's, that's the thing. You can't sell your rights and then want them back. And, and like, yeah, they could do whatever they want when they wanted to make a watch yeah. TV show. Uh, if they want to make it in the DC universe with the comics, you sold them, dude. Like, yep. there you go. Uh, but more importantly, V for Vendetta, uh, popularized the modern day Guy Fox masks and specifically the usage of it with, uh, groups like Anonymous. Uh, this is the uh, the big thing behind that. This is the movie that popularized that. This is the movie that many point to as uh, this this movie, and for a better reason, this comic is the major thing that people point to as the uh, the 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 anarchist movement. It's a, yeah, it's lasted, man. The image is lasted. Yep, and, and 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 this is more. And in fairness, this is something that the the person Guy Fox started way back in in the 1600s. But uh, but as a whole, but this really really popularized itself after V for Vendetta. Uh, yeah, it wasn't um, it wasn't tied to American or I would say globally as much as it was England until this movie came out, which is an American production of a British set movie and did really well in America. So the mass became synonymous with anonymous. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. So, and, and the thing I really love about this movie is how almost every line of dialogue means something at the end of the day. It's a very tight script. Yeah. It's a very tight script and everything means something is pushing you towards a goal. Which is makes you really have to pay attention to a lot of the dialogue in this movie, uh, but it's a really good movie, and it's really it really is interesting. Uh, so Zach is right about Alan Moore. Just to add on to what he said, um, when Alan Moore found out about this and saw the movie and read the script, he was he was not a fan of it because his original story, they changed a lot. Uh, yeah. A lot of who TV was and a lot of what the government was doing, they changed the whole conspiracy angle. Um, but the theme of the comic is anarchy versus fascism, which works in England much more than America. When the movie was made and the script was getting pushed, it was a lot, it fit more with America. It was pretty much like neoliberalism versus neoconservatism and finding the which one is good versus which one is bad. And the only reason that works is because there are good people and there are villains in this movie. There are legit villains. In the comic, it's more so like when a drastic, when nuclear war happens, it wrecks society. And then people just sort of give in to fascism. Because that's that that element is here in this movie that people have given into it and are willing to accept it, which is I think the closest thing to today that I witnessed. 
it's yes, there's the yeah. whole pan the, the pandemic stuff. Yes, there's the whole um, fascism angle that happened. There's like uh, the media stuff, but to me, it was the complacency. It's the, yeah. the um, that that's what got me the most. It was that people, and I don't think that's guilty. Like V says it when he takes over the TV, he's like. I understand what's happening, but you are the ones who are doing this to yourselves, too. I think that element is here, that we were hearing so much come out of the news, so much bad shit that, like, he was doing. This that this whole administration was doing. And even from the people who were fighting against the administration. Um, yeah. So much of it, so often, that it grew in anxiety. It grew a, a complacency of apathy to just, like, so much was happening, so much bad. That you were just like, and so much just hatred from this one person specifically, regardless of whether you like him or not. Like that was his game. That 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 was his angle, aggressiveness, and that took a toll on ever on this nation as a whole. And yeah. you just go with it. Um, it's how Hitler did it after World War One. The nation was depressed and down, and he came in and was like, "Look at my, I look at my order, look at my army, look at my symbols. I will stand for you." And that that's more that's easier to sort of tell in a two-hour movie than it is in a very large book. So that's why they focus it. And so if you, I, I do agree that if what Alan Moore was trying to do was a little bit different and also good, I do think that in this case the adaptation of it and the way that they go with it, while more neutered and there is a good and a bad, it is still telling a point that um, they would sharpen better in the Matrix. But also, in this case, I think it's a little bit more realistic, more, uh, I guess, considering 2020, um, possible. Yeah. It's it's a thing, and it it really it's it's kind of scary at how how real it feels sometimes. And this is a movie that right now I think is kind of the perfect time to kind of sit and talk and watch about it. Um, and yeah, I, I there's not really much else to talk about in terms of like the history and its relation to real life. But it there's a lot of allegory. There's a lot of stuff. And this is a movie, I think, down the line when people want to look at kind of what shit was like around now and people aren't alive to say this is the product to look at that would give a, a kind of a real kind of this is what life was like well it's very interesting considering it came out 15 years ago yes and that um, <laughs> that it uh it was set in it, it was meant to be a bush era kind of thing when it came yeah. out and that element is certainly what we're dealing with here just far more Dramatic. The the reason that people were afraid to speak out against con- extreme conservatism around the time this movie came out was because everyone was pro-America. 9-11 had just happened. It, like the Dixie Tricks entire career was ruined when they went on a stage. It was like, we don't like Bush. Like, like I, I watched a really great video by Lindsay Ellis. who was like the 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 protest music of our era of that time was Green Day's American Idiot, and that's not even that in-depth. It's it's incredibly on the nose, because it needed to be. And that's, in a way, incredibly sad because of how scared people were that these parables were happening. But, like, it, I remember watching this movie at the time and being like, it's it's so on the nose. It's so much. Like, I, um, I enjoyed it and everything, but, like, all the parables and stuff, I was like, 
you know, yeah, I get it because it was Bush era. And we're like, this isn't going to happen with Bush, but like it could maybe down the line if something happened. But you'd think like 30, 40 years from now. But then it's 2020 and I'm watching it. It's like 15 years later and I'm like, no, God damn it. Yeah, holy shit. Wow. Okay. Like all it takes is one natural disaster to scare an entire nation and one idiot to be in power or gain power to manipulate people, the right people. And all it needs is one shady, despicable, uh, immoral person behind him to help wield wield that power with an iron fist. And yeah, that's all you need. The one one of my the scariest things for me with Trump was like I thought it was an immoral person. That's why I didn't want to vote for him in the first place. But also in terms of the job, I was like, you don't want that guy in power in in charge in decisions when a natural disaster or something like that happens. And the pandemic happened, something I never would have predicted. And I was just thinking to myself, this is exactly it. This is exactly what happened. And yeah, I I don't think the world went the way that the world did here because London is the last standing where the world has gone to shit. We are a country standing alone. So um, it's it's different for us. There, But there were there are a group of people who created a cult a sense of fascism around this idea that we'll believe anything and we'll fight for this and die for this idea and we'll create extremists. Um, but in a way, V is an extremist too. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. th- so this was created by Alan Moore. They, the Wachowskis wrote the script um, even as, even before they made the matrix. They loved the comic and um, they got the rights. They got the ability to do it. The matrix came out. I don't know why they decided not to direct it themselves outside of they had just directed two movies at the same time and got mixed reviews for them. And maybe they just wanted to take a fucking rest. (laughs) I don't know. Um, (laughs) But the person who directed it, uh, his his name is Casey right now, it's McTeague, I believe. Um, He started in the early 80s. as a uh, in the art department and then worked his way up into assistant director and worked on a few a few big things but mostly small things most worked to like third third assistant director to second to first eventually he became the wachowskis first uh first um first assistant director he also yes george lucas but it was because of his work with um special effects on the matrix he worked with the wachowskis all, uh, on the three Matrix movies, and then he got a chance to start directing his own, and this was the first one he did for them. He has since worked with them on Sense8 for Netflix, so they still have a good working relationship. He made a couple more things. He made Invasion. He half half made Invasion with Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig. He made um, uh, God. He made The Raven with John Cusack. Uh, yeah. he's, he's got interesting stuff out there. I've never really kept in touch with this guy, um, but I always knew that I wondered what happened to the guy who made V for Vendetta. He's still working. Uh, he just had a TV show where he made all six episodes of. So it's not like he's not around, but he... Appar- apparently, he wor- apparently he works now on Altered Carbon. Um, as a director. I like Altered Carbon. I like Altered Carbon. Yeah. It's a good show. Um... Uh, so anyway, yes, Chris, that's why this looks like a Wachowski movie. They didn't want to make it, so they gave him the opportunity to do it. Hmm. Uh, and it came out to pretty 
pretty good fanfare. It did, it did moderately well, and since over time has grown the masks, but also the story. Like, no one is, like, walking away from me, away from it being like, this isn't like the comic. And it isn't Watchmen where the changes are, like, small, but detrimental to the actual themes. They do change the themes here, but they do it in a way that makes it just as good, if not equally better, of a story, despite what more thinks. And to be honest, I like the changes. For a movie, it makes sense. For a comic, it fits more in his kind of, like, extremist ways. This is something that you want to reach everybody with. Um, but he in the comic is about anarchy. He's more of a joker guy. In this movie, he's about freedom. And even admits his idea of it was flawed until he met another person who represented what society needed to go through. So um, yeah. it has a different mindset of what it's doing. But I think it's tighter. I think Zach's right. Um, the script is great. Every Watching it now, after rewatching it as many times as I have, really sitting down and looking at it. So my favorite things about doing this show is like, sitting down and watching something that I may have seen over and over again and giving it like true un unadulterated, unaltered focus and just watching it and knowing what happens and like seeing the moments where Evie is like constantly given the idea that like she couldn't survive what has happened to her family, that she wouldn't be able to um, stand the torture that would happen with V and it takes her having to go through it again. And that in these moments of these characters' lives, everyone's trapped, uh, free. Everyone's still going through something, but it like you need someone to guide you through these things. And um, the only way to do that is to have empathy for other people. And you need to understand that that empathy for other people is getting in the way of what the government wants, at least in this story. Um, so... Yeah, that's pretty much it uh, in terms of production. Nothing crazy. Oh, um, the craziest thing is that James Purfoy was originally playing V for about six weeks of production. He um, would go on to be like in the following with Kevin Bacon and stuff. He um, was then replaced by Hugo Weaving because he just was having trouble with the mask. And then Hugo Weaving came in and did the rest of it. Everything from the mask to being uh, in the shadows and stuff. Um, he, so Purfoy is in there in some places and the director's like I know the difference but I don't think anybody else can tell I've been watching it on mute and I think, I think some of the early stuff may have been Purfoy but you can tell like when he's already kidnapped Evie that it's totally Hugo weaving yeah by that point at least so Chris what did you think oh boy oh god um, like when it was, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. When it was over, I needed to walk outside. Like, I needed a breath. I needed a breath of fresh air, honestly. So, so, like, so, so it really made you think. It, it well, it affected you. It, I was, yeah, it affected me, and I was like, I was like, God, please don't make this another clueless. I swear to God. Uh, um, like. Well, this is the thing about when you watch. The I am okay. So I just working through these things. My okay. So I am very bad at forming sentences, despite the fact that I got honors on, on the language arts portion of my GED. So I don't know how I did that. It just it was a thing. Um, Zach, be patient with him. After the clueless episode, I think we realized that when this happens, he's still working through ideas. So just let him be patient. No, um, I'm. I'm 
I'm all I'm all ready for you to work through it, Chris. I, I had to learn it too. Okay, so I really, I really hope I don't do that thing where I cut the recording. I don't want to get too mad. I'm not. It's not that I'm mad. It's just like you're thinking about it a lot. Like a lot. Yeah. Like. Like I said, I needed to go out and get like get a pre- get it like a breath of fresh air because like a lot of this, a lot of this was way too real, way okay. like to the point where it was genuinely upsetting. Like yeah. Yeah. that that whereas, like, the movie, the movie like I had to like I was pressed for time. I couldn't stop the movie, otherwise I couldn't make this recording. Even though I ended up do- not doing that. So, so you watched it today? I watched it today. Okay. Oh, and I, I, I would have not predicted this. And if I had, which I don't think I would have, I thought you would have been able to see that because I have a different angle of looking at this movie. I think Zach and I do. We all, we both come from having seen this movie at least for 15 years, several times. It wasn't real to us. It was fiction. Now it's That's real. That's what blew me away. You like, are new to this so it's all very earth shattering and to be honest like i can't see it from your point of view and if i did i'm and i'm sorry i would have told you to watch this probably in the middle of the week so that you could have prepared better but now that you're sitting here like this this makes a lot of sense to me um no we were i've known this movie for quite some time the fact that it this it became i was feeling it this time but mostly it was the subtlety of the society as a whole dealing with this and then i remember when more and more police shootings happened and like a kid got shot and then a kid gets shot in this movie. I was like, no, this the society didn't walk out like George Floyd happened and we peacefully protested and things did change. Yes. But like, this isn't a revolution. We're still trying to work within the system. Like, so anyway, um, like when I was watching the movie, I like, okay, I gotta like, I gotta distract myself. Like, I went and I like tried to fix one of my Xbox controllers. Like I was just trying to like I was li- I was paying attention to the movie, but I needed like I needed something to like fidget with, you know, while I was watching this. And I was like just trying to work through it. And then like I was trying like I was genuinely trying to see the movie as it was, like and this is the kicker. Like, this is where we get into, like, clueless territory. Mm-hmm. Alex, last, last, like, when you told me what this movie was, you were like, don't, when you see it, don't, like, um, oh, what was it? Don't, like, think it's, Take like, it. about Take one it. thing. Yes. Yeah. This felt... Damn like it. It, it, it felt like that. It felt like it. I couldn't help it. I was just like, I was watching this. I'm like, this is damning. Like well, so many okay, levels. Okay. Well, all right. Well, first of all, first of all, I want you to express your feelings first, and then I'm gonna say where I think the movie is coming from, and where I think it has a leg to stand on from a certain perspective. But please, by all means, just explain where you feel you are coming from from that perspective because I expected that. I really did. <laughs> you expected it. That says a lot about me. Um, 
you care you care very much about your religion you care very much about your faith and you care very much about how we approach it on this show you care very much about how we approach it in our personal lives so i i i have never had a conversation about certain aspects of this movie uh with you before but i'm pretty sure i have an idea of where you're kind of coming from i've never judged it i've only just understood it because you're not the first person i've met in my life like this so uh, you doesn't make you a bad person i just don't agree with where you're coming from and that's what i think the movie is saying too this guy I, i'm sorry you say say how you feel first and then i'll tell you where i think the movie is coming from like i've been okay so with this whole like political climate and how everything like how everything is in the real world mm-hmm. like i've been having these like emotions for a while whereas like and this movie just like brought them all back even though i thought it was over like so what happens is like this felt like an indictment and on on whom on like catholicism or like like evangelical culture in general um and the reason i thought that was is just like the way that um the way that the guy on television in the beginning of the movie just spoke it was just like just like putrid xenophobic like trash you don't think that sounds like Tucker Carlson right now? It's Tucker Carlson if, like, they dialed him to 11 and, like... He's at 9 right now. Like, If they, like, dialed him as far up as you can imagine he can go, That's and, t- like... No, no, no. Hey, I don't think he's even Tucker Carlson because Tucker Carlson has shown small flashes of competence. But, like, no. few and far between. Where he is questioned the regime at some point but like not all the time at most he's complacent but like here's my thing at most he's a complacent idiot but like we're like we have spent like centuries like jeez like we have spent like centuries in this in this country in this country alone like judging people exiling ex- outcasting people of color people of a different religion people of different like like ugh. see I'm bad I'm bad at wording stuff so like we have judged anybody who doesn't like We've judged and abused everybody who has not believed in our religious ideals. And it's turned us into just, like, the worst. Like, and it, this movie, like, it kind of, like, showed, showed that, again, to me and it's just like it's just oh god like 
And it just got me, like, that's why I took a step outside. I was just like, this, like, what happened? Like, well, let me, let me put this. Let, let me let me just say something about that that one idea that you just said there. Um, I get I get where you're coming from in terms of you that that Catholicism or Christianity as a whole. There's been a lot of persecution, been a lot of uh, people who have used God's name to do bad things, um, and I think that's what this movie is condemning more than Catholicism in general. It's the extremism of yeah. of one person and one administration's ideas. Because, like, let me ask you this, Chris: Do you believe? Let me ask you two questions, th- three questions, very quickly. A: How Do you questions? believe that? Three questions. Do you believe a that a gay person has the right to make a movie and pr- and put that movie out to the public? Yes. About anything they want. Yes. Okay. Do you believe that a gay person should be detained specifically for the homosexuality and then made prisoner and then starved and then killed because they are gay? No. Okay. Do you believe that um do you believe that illegal families that are crossing the border deserve to be separated from their children and then detained and then completely lost the documentation to just be put in cages or put in at least prisons and camps basically for, for as long as possible and be treated just terribly for it. Do you believe that that deserves to happen? No. That's all that that's all this movie is saying. Like Donald Trump is not a Catholic Donald Trump uses Catholicism and evangelicals that stand in front of their people and try to laugh COVID away. Those are the crazy people who, if, let's say, a pandemic happened and it destroyed all the world but one country, one country, that country decides that they are going to follow the person with the, that they trust the most. That person just happens to be a crazy person. It happened once with Hitler. Let's say Hitler was using more like Hitler believed what a lot of people believed mostly at the time of Catholicism, but he also damned Judaism because he had the power to do it. Like it's yeah. just the extremist is what it's about. Now hey. I, I can't speak to the defensive nature of being a of of being a Catholic. I can't, but I don't think this movie is after Catholicism. I think they're after the idea of of people who take the ideas of Catholicism and push it so that they can do what they will with the government. And yeah. that, that's the point. If you don't want the worst things that happened in this movie, then you're a human being and that's all. That's Chris, all. Then you're Chris, fine. Chris, to, to, to go off what Alex is saying, basically what this movie is pushing is the age-old American ideology of church and state should be separated, period. End of story. And the, the, the unfortunate thing about current American politics and, and the people in power right now is that's not always the case. And that is a very dangerous precedence and something that our founding fathers were very much against. They were against the idea that people in power should be using their religion for their own benefits and to harm others. That That is... The that is a big part of what this movie is trying to tell us and, and genuinely what what American values are about. Yes, you have the right to practice what you want and to preach what you want. But when it's when that point when you start using that that 
that um, belief to make other people's lives what the same as you is when things start become problematic. Well, let me ask you this, Chris. How did you feel when Natalie Portman was finding the letters in the toilet and that whole story? That was touching. Like, like I said, I have played all the way through The Last of Us 2. Zach knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. That is probably the best narrative of the year, gaming-wise. Like, I, I, I don't want to get into that conversation, Chris, and I'm not going to start that one with you, but... I'll let you have this one. <laughs> I, will ha- I, am a- I am allowed to have my irrational opinions, even if they're, like, you, crazy. You, anyway. You are, you, you are, but you're wrong. <laughs> Listen, no, no, Cyberpunk is asking. never coming out, so you don't have that argument. Anyway. I, I'm, so... talking about, I'm talking about Ghost of Tsushima, my dude. Ghost of Tsushima has the best narrative. Sony, Sony, Sony owns gaming. Anyway, so... <laughs> I'm not asking just because it's a gay... Just because it's a gay story. Right, right, right. right. because like, of what the person teaches Natalie Portman and what it right. teaches in general, which is like, it, it doesn't matter if the guy was Catholic. He could have been Protestant. He could have been Baptist. He could have been a voodoo person. Like, there are, like, people in Africa who just don't like homosexuality, but they believe whatever they believe. Like... There's so many th- people like it's just an easy way. This person's different. It's gross. I don't like it. I'm going to be against it. I'm not saying that it's an indictment on them, but when when I watch that story and I see that story and I just it's not even just gay. It's just anyone who's different. It's yeah. Jew. It's the Holocaust. It's anything. And like this is a lot of Holocaust imagery. But the moment I was watching it now, I was like. I'm thinking of immigrant families. I'm thinking of children who can't see their parents right now. Some children who would never find their parents anymore. And that's who I was thinking when I was watching this in terms of modern day parables. And I was like, yeah, dude, who made that decision? Actual Catholics, actual people who care about other people and wanting to help them. No, it was people who use that and use that cross and hide behind it like fucking cowards. You are not that. And I doubt that your family is that. I doubt that your church and the community you grew up in is that. I believe that you are not that person based off the kind of stories you want to tell, based off the short film you want to make. Imagine if you were the person who one day, like, I've seen this bullshit, but like, atheists take over and they go after Catholics. It's the same thing. It's just persecution in general on a government scale. And and that's, that's why this movie made sense at the time that Bush era was coming out and is strangely prescient now because somebody decided to pull a Hitler in America. But instead of pulling a Hitler in America just at the same time, he was able to do it without it. He was able to do it without a natural uh, uh, horrific event happening. The pandemic didn't happen until after he was in power and then he really took advantage of that in a lot of ways. And then we, it was a big sway against him. But, like, imagine if that had happened before. And there were people desperate and sad and in need of money. Their, their family's dying. And they look to Donald Trump, who's saying, I'm not a politician. I'm a businessman. I'm going to make you all money. I'm going to save you all. I'm going to take you exactly where you need to go with me. Like, that would have been scary as fuck, man. Scary as fuck. Four years off. He was four years off, dude. That, 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 that is what this movie taught me, how fucking scary that would have been. 
impossible that would have been. He's not Catholic. This isn't against Christianity. This is against the people who take the thing you love and kill other people with it simply because they're different than you. That's what this is against. Outside of, outside of being very prescient of today and how that rocked you, man, I never even thought about that. Like, you're seeing this for the first time. I can't imagine what like a movie like Contagion would do for you. I watched that the other day, and I was like, fuck, man. A lot of this is just, I feel like I'm watching the news. You, and you know, not to go too deep on Contagion, but you know the even scarier thing about Contagion is right now is that, like, it was shot in Minnesota at the Armory, and, like, it, it's scary real, for even more so that reason. I also think it's a very good fall movie. Uh, but, like, that is interesting, Chris, but I, I can't, I mean, I hope that, I hope you can see that perspective or not, but I certainly understand how watching this movie could make you feel that way. But I think there is a difference between being conservative and, and believing that every life, you know, begins at conception and the, and church and state and that argument. But then there's the person who steps in and he's like, no abortion. <sighs> Even if it's like, I'm going to make that decision for you. Then the line gets totally <laughs> and gets an abortion on my clock. Well, then they are taken away. They're black bagged. They are gone forever, and you never see that person again. They're thrown in prison, and then they're dead. Like, that's how far we're talking here, man. It's fictional, yes, but also we were fucking close with it, dude. We were real, real close. Real close. Real close. You want to talk, like, the guy at the beginning is is he is fictional. He is extreme, but also it shows when he's in the shower that he's the kind of guy who's just as enamored by how he's saying something than what he's necessarily saying. The words aren't him his; they come from the government. Uh, he's just theatrical. Uh, but I do think that the lie that he is pushing is what reminds me of today. When I watch Tucker Carlson and I watch Fox News, it's all bullshit. It's all lies. It's all pushing Trump's agenda until they can't anymore. And then they start to go against him. But for the longest time, they were pushing his conspiracy theories and pushing these ideas and talking about Democrats like they were dangerous, dangerous people trying to. No, dude, it's just the other side of the political discussion. And And that is what got me. It's not the theatrics and like necessary that he's Christian. They're they're put the God angle is just again probably from the novel, but like the 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 John Hurt, the overseer, the guy from the video screen, he is ultra conservative. That's just his gain, um, and that's how he uses it to his hammer. But it's not against like Christianity in general. I don't think. I think it's against destructive governments. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Just like it was just it was just like hard at times. It's just like like it's just like you know how irrational I can get. So like I don't know. I'm not saying you're irrational, but it was No like, like I, not like right now, but you know how irrational I can be. So like when all this went down, I'm just like, these are the people, like these, like these, like these are like, honestly, like, <clears throat> like I look, I was looking at the, 
I was looking at like all that. I was like during this whole political climate, I was like just listening to all these people. I was just like, these are the people I go to church with. Like this is what's really going on. I was just like, it's just oh god. Um, so when I was watching this, and I'm just like. Man, when if like if the day if the day comes where we're potentially treated like this, like we will have absolutely deserved it. Like that's where I was at. Should we ever get locked up in cages, we would have absolutely deserved it. Christians being persecuted like Jews or yeah, Jewish people Mexicans right now. Um, I think. That is, okay, so I would say two things. Being Catholic myself, I understand Catholic guilt, um, and that is certainly part of it. Um, I understand that the weight of the history of something that you are a part of since birth, just by being born. You were born into a Catholic family, so therefore you were raised Catholic. I, okay, I shouldn't have said Catholic. A, I should not no, have said Catholic. Were, it's non-denominational, not Catholic. I, 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 my my mistake. But for yeah. example, you were born into a belief system, and they were given they were giving you prime reasons and examples and earnest uh, ideas that you believe in, and you came into them not just because you were born. You grew up as an adult, and you understood why they are important to you. Um, I, I for me, I, I think guilt is sort of a part of jesus him dying for your sins i just recently watched the movie the witch and the whole point of that movie is like that family the family it's set in the pilgrim era during salem and all that and um pilgrims come over because of religious persecution but then there's a family there that is too pious even for pilgrims they kick him out of town and this dad is teaching his family that the very existence their very lives is a sin just every every action they naturally do is a sin. So therefore, they must constantly try to think to be good. Every action is meant to be good. Every action is for God. He's like pushing this extreme idea of their existence being a sin. It's just awful. It's, it's terrible. It's awful. <laughs> so yes, religion is a slippery slope. But it's more importantly a slippery slope for someone with power. Someone with power can take a belief system and sway an entire mass group of people because they believe it. And that's scary, dude. That's super fucking scary when the whole world is desperate because there's a disease going around and shit. So, I... I so, yeah, that's why I had to, like, step out and I was, like, I was, like, trying and just, like, listen, let's just... See the movie as it is. I know it's going to get political. I have stated it on this show that I do not want politics to be a part of the show. If it is absolutely avoidable, but if it isn't, I'll just roll with the punches. And <laughs> so, literally, I was like prepared to like. I was like, okay, like if it comes to this, I'll just say, I'll just say what, I'll just say what I just said. Like, absolutely. Okay. Um, but like, safe space, safe space. Like, I was 
like like I said, like it's just all it was like really just like too real and it brought up a lot of bad feelings about this recent election and just the last four years of like like okay, here's the thing. John Oliver is very funny. Yeah. He does guilt trip a lot though. Like okay, not a lot, but like he does it a few times. But like uh, I do res- like I do respect that he did a piece on even on televangelists. And like and I had to remember like I remembered this. I was like, he did a piece on televangelists, and I have like never been more upset in regards to my faith than literally anything else being discussed in our political climate. I've never been more disgusted. Like, like, honestly, like, personally, um, I might, heck, I might even cut this out. Like, um, personally, I have abstained from the whole, like, there's, I have way too many, like, convictions and complex things about I have abstained from the whole abortion argument. I'm like, listen, like, let them, let them decide. Like, let the women who actually have to carry these babies decide. Like, what's, like, let them decide. Like, and then there's, like, 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 I don't understand how people could be upset at gay people just for being gay. It doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) Like, they're just people. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with the Holocaust and Judaism. It's, yeah. You know, you yeah. know, like that's not even a normal thing. Like at least not on the level of gay people. Like Jews have to be were out in the open. They were living their lives. They had already been been, been persecuted plenty of times before. This crazy man came in and just rode this train and stubbed everyone else. So like, I, I it's I, why specifically gay people? I I don't know. But, yeah. like, I think it's a good show. In terms of what I think this movie is trying to do, because, like, I, I, I know we're talking about you and your politics. You don't want to talk about politics so much. I want to gear it back to the movie for a second. Like, yeah, let's, the, yeah. the, the specific choice, I think, of homosexuality for both the character that writes the notes in the toilet and the person that is her boss, Stephen Fry, who is a gay person in real life, um, who took the job mostly so he could get beat up on camera. I love Stephen Fry. He's amazing. Um, I I find it very interesting that that is the one that they went with because I think I think it's a very smart filmmaking call um, to use Holocaust imagery but not use Judaism and use homosexuality, which at the time in two thousand six was at that edge of being fully accepted. Like I think that's when like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was coming out and like metrosexual was a thing. Like I think on the whole as a culture we were like officially being like AIDS is getting a uh, uh, getting handled now. It's not the gay disease anymore. It's more prominent in storytelling and, and everything and like people were accepting it on a on like a like surface level basis. And I think it was a good choice for this film. Uh, I it makes you think of like at the time why they didn't choose something like Muslim, which was certainly on everyone's tongue. Wasn't which, there a Denzel Washington Tony Shalhoub movie that did that though? Tony Shalhoub movie? I don't yeah, know. There a Monk. There were a lot. Um, there were a lot, but there was one with Denzel Washington that I was 
actually I actually quite enjoyed. Anyway, go ahead. Look that I'm gonna look that up. Uh, anyway, um, that I think is an interesting choice because the thing about homosexuality, at least for these characters at the time, is that um, it really just kind of seemed harmless. Abortion would have been too much of a conversation, and um, Judaism would have been too real, and no one wanted to talk about black really it's, and that certainly wasn't like i guess that big of an argument as it is in england as it is here and i also don't know if any of this is in the novel but it really works when you have um these characters that just don't really do any they they have a like a, a, a even if it is a sin it's a sin of no uh, it's a victim's crime so why this government feels the need to be imprisoned for it is insane. It's just insane bonkers bananas. So, um, I think it's a good choice. Alex, it's called The Siege. The Siege? Interesting. I'll look that up. That seems like it'd be a good movie to watch with my dad. I love Denzel Washington and we like Denzel Washington. We watched Glory not too long ago. I fucking love Denzel. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I think uh, also it's just love, man. And it makes it really easy to be like the government's bad when like... the whole thing these two women just want to be married and you know my thing is like i i understand the world that we live in and i have no intention of like being bigoted towards that or like um angry at that i just know that it's that's where it's going and there's no change in that you could just you're you are an empathetic person, and that means yeah. you also have your and you have your convictions. And yeah. that's nobody's perfect, like, everyone. Sorry. But, but what I love is is that you are growing up in an age where, like, the problem is we know the answer, and their answer is church and state should be separated. But that is such an entangled web and hard to do by older people than you and I who are going to stick in there and have like laid the groundwork for them to be there even when they're gone. That it's very hard for you to have this conversation and not feel guilty about bullshit when really the answer is you don't want to, I know you personally well enough that if you found out like someone was pregnant and they had to deal with an abortion and it had nothing to do with you, like you'd probably stay out of that shit. Like deal with that. But if you were dating somebody and you were going to get married and you guys were engaged and you guys had a baby beforehand or like something happened or like if it was your issue, you would have to speak how you felt and it would be your convictions. And I know you personally, to know that you would make a good argument, a proper argument, a respectful argument for how you felt in that situation, because that's where that responsibility lies. You're not here. You have enough empathy in your heart to not like <coughs> roll with the law, other people to make that decision. That's empathy. That's all that is. And that doesn't, that makes you a better Christian, if anything else, in, in my opinion. Real quick, real quick. If you are a Christian, um, non-denominational. <laughs> You, all you do is stare. All you do is stare into my window. You know, you, like, you know where I'm at on Sundays. So I just see a lot of crosses, man, and it's awesome. They're all great. Um, I we just came to the point where um. Oh, you're watching Steve, too. Right. We, yeah, I watch it too. So we, just, I just got to the point where Stephen Fry, where uh, Evie just found out all of uh, uh Stephen Fry's like kinky like paintings, Ooh. and I'm like. Yeah. Had to sneak that one in there, didn't you, Wachowski sisters? You just had to sneak that one in there. Because <laughs> I know I said during the Matrix, like, they're into some spanky stuff. <laughs> They've got to be right. 
Good call, man. I wonder if that's also in Speed Racer. Like, he opens the trunk and a gimp comes out. <laughs> I've never seen it. I've never seen it. It's it's something, dude. And he... so, like, he's <laughs> racing, and then just like, and then like, um, like a steampunk, like BDSM dude just flies out of the trunk of the buck. <laughs> I expect this um, ship. I expect this ship from Max. Mad Max, not from fucking. Like, <laughs> damn it! Waterworld. Waterworld. <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it. Everything about okay. it. Okay. Like, so Chris, now, now that we've got that out of your out of your system yeah, for a second, like I'm glad I'm glad that you guys stuck with me with that. Like I needed to I, like process that. I read you, bro. I don't think you. I don't think it's an attack on you. I don't think you should feel that. I don't think this movie is meant to be that way. I think it's meant for the people. I think it's meant for the people that made you feel sick when you watched that John Oliver thing. I think right. that's what that's that's who this was for. And if what what would happen if they you know had power? And even in that piece, even in that piece that he did, he explicitly said this is not for like religious people. This is for the people. This is again. This is this is not attacking people of faith. This is attacking the people who are abusing it mm-hmm. yes exactly so, like, with that, with i don't that, see myself going to a mega church anytime soon after that good. thank you um you i don't know how you dance maybe you dance great maybe you'll do flips i don't know also maybe. um also uh kenneth copeland is a madman just gonna let that up like i'm just gonna let okay. that one i'm just gonna let that out there he's a madman uh so with that being said funny uh, the movie, the but. movie itself. Let's talk you... about the movie itself. Yes, please. <laughs> well, like, what is there anything that you liked in particular when you, just aesthetically, performance-wise, look-wise, anything? Oh, you, that, so like... overall, I think this movie is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's not directed by the Wachowskis, I still love the style. I still recognize it. I, I like it. Um. Like aesthetically, it's really like, um, co- like I like I like the blue. Oh, it's cold. Like it really like it really puts you in London, in like London, in the early two thousands. Man, it was a different time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm surprised there weren't any like flying cars. That would have been a nice touch. Um, it's supposed to be dystopian. It's supposed to be the left state. Um. Like like children of men, but children of men does it way better. Right. I gotta watch that. Um, that's I so, think is a perfect curiosity choice for the wheel, dude. I can't wait for you to see that movie. It's amazing. So now I'm at. I just now that we're talking about stuff that I like, I really like when he had to go and kill the woman, and she's like, "Listen, I know it was a mistake. You probably already." Um. You probably like you're here to kill me. It's like, yeah. It's like, thank you. He's just like, I don't want to live with this anymore. So, so, like, so, so I'm I'm rewatching it right now while while we're talking, right. and and I'm at the point where uh, V has taken Evie, and they're underground now. And for the first time, he's cooking her breakfast. And he, he's cooking with the gloves on. She walks out and she's like, oh my god. He's like, oh, I'm just gonna put the glasses on, but he has the apron all through the whole outfit. I'm just like, this Bruh. guy is wild. Like, yeah, I love it. He, it's I, I was not anticipating for it. I was not anticipating him being so charismatic, honestly. I didn't, 
I don't know how oh, I saw he's, that. Oh, he's he's incre- he's incredibly charismatic, and that's the whole point behind the character is that he's well, so charismatic that he starts a revolution. Well, I I I um there's an interesting thing at the beginning of the movie that Evie says that that his idea the the whole point is that he's meant to be an idea that the mask is the point that he is nothing more than the mask he even says it that like the that my face under the mask is no different than if you the muscle and tissue under your face right now like the mask is my face that's why she kisses it but he when the difference is he had to bring her to his home so he was making breakfast the way he normally would have made breakfast. He was watching movies the way he normally would watch movies. He was listening to music the way he normally would. She was just there. It was never planned. It was never intentional. It just, every now and then, she caught a glimpse of who he was as a person. So one of the first lines she says at the beginning of the movie, she's like, he is an idea. Like, who is Guy Fox? He was this idea. Uh, who was, I'm going to tell you this story of about an idea, but I fell in love with the man. I missed the man. And it's because she knew him. Um, let's see. I do like how Evie wasn't, like, okay initially with, like, V's madness. Um, with his, like, with his extremism. She's like, you're seriously gonna like fight fire with fire here. And it's like, I think there's a point at the end of the movie, towards the end, after her head had got shaved, and he kept and he kept her uh, in a basement the same way he was kept in a basement, like in a in a concrete cell. Which I know what he was getting at. I understand the point. It's still a little messed up. Um, it's extremely messed up, but I think. And the first time I watched it, I felt the same way. I was like, that's crazy. But watching it now. They really set it up. All of her family went through that. Yep. She, the people keep going through that. Her boss has gone through that. And her biggest fear is she's, she even says it when she lies about wanting to help him with the priest is she goes, I, I can do that now. I'm here to help you now. I've all my, all of the people are doing that. I couldn't last. I'm here to help you now. I want to last. And then she immediately turns against him. But uh, I, to put somebody through something like that, is a is the whole point of movies it's the whole point of empathy uh, of them being empathy machines uh quoted by roger ebert uh there's um the the story that he's putting it through is something that her father would do he would tell lies with stories one of my god my favorite books of all time all time is called the things they carried by tim o'brien and he wrote the story it's about um, his platoon in Vietnam, but it's 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 written as short stories and it's written non-linearly and uh, out of chronological order, order. And sometimes the stories change. He'll tell the story and then later he'll tell it again. And it's completely different. He tells the story about when he got the letter for Vietnam and when he was drafted, and he was at that time working at a meatpacking plant. And he decided that one day to the work he was going to pack his things and leave, and he left. And he was in Minnesota because he was a Minnesota writer. Um, he got all the way to like almost the border of Canada, but he was tired and didn't have any food. And he found an old man who was renting out cabins. And he said, I'll work for a cabin. And he did. And he stayed there for a long time, got healthy, got whatever, but he still didn't cross the border. And one day the old man took him out on a boat on the lake and he was 20 yards away from the border. 
All he had to do was get out of the boat and get across the border, and he'd be done. It was no different than when he got to the cabin. He didn't really have anything then. He could just go. And he, when, he, when he looked at the other side on the shore, he saw his entire future. He saw his wife, his kids, his platoon, the man he would kill, everything. Everything that his life would be and everything it was and everything it, it would ever be. And he didn't get out of the boat. He went back. He got his shit. He went home. He went to Vietnam. And he went through one of the worst experiences of his life that defined who he was. And years later, someone asked him in an interview, um, was that story real? He went, fuck no. I, <laughs> I got a draft letter. I was working in a meatpacking plant for the rest of the summer. And then I went to Vietnam. I didn't run away from home. What are you talking about? It's a story. It's a story, dude. But that's what I was feeling on the inside. That's what I was experiencing. That's what I was going through. I told the truth through a lie. And this is exactly what he does with Edie. The only way that you can ever be able to trust that when someone walks out of your house, that they will never tell you or tell the police who you are, where you were under any sort of torture is that you must not fear death. The only way to do that is to put somebody in a position where that's all they have to give. You know, I, not to go, not to break away from that too much, but you know, you know what's kind of getting me here. Hmm. This movie was made at the same time as *Revenge of the Sith*, and it shows two sides of Natalie Portman's acting chops. Oh my gosh, I was having the same thing. Like, this is the best movie that came out. This is the best Natalie Portman <laughs> movie that came out that year. <laughs> okay. Well, like, she was only she was only in two of them, and and in fairness, she's acting way above and beyond better than she was in Revenge of the Sith in this movie. Well, she was she also had more competent I, people behind her. Well, she I had mean, she had a better script behind her. I think. Well, she must have been in better things too. She'd been in at that point. She'd already been in the professional. No, I know. No, so I know that she was. She's a good actress, and she always has been a good actress. It's just so interesting to like look at this and 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 like look at how she was acting in *Revenge of the Sith*, making the best of a terrible situation, terrible script, and then this with a great script, and she's just acting around every. She she's acting alongside obviously uh, Hugo Weaving, who's great, but she's also acting circles around everyone else too. So here's a couple things that I want to bring to the table for. Both you guys, and especially... Yeah, both you guys, I think, will find this interesting. I'll do the fun one last, but I'll do the interesting one first. So I didn't know this until right before I was... We were going to do this, and I was looking at it on IMDb, and I'm at the moment right now, and I've got it paused. But you know that moment where the detective is sitting with his partner, and he talks about how he went to the burnt-down hospital and saw everything? saw where yeah. everything was and everything going, how it all started and where all that stuff, and you see flashbacks and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm looking at a shot of Evie putting flowers on a table, and you can see in the mirror the detective sitting in a chair just drinking from a glass, and she's just in a normal dress, and she has all her hair back. It, it almost seems like they get together. Hmm. Uh, interesting. Never knew that. Never knew that. Interesting. Are you talking about how he how he gives that uh, that awesome monologue, like right before, like, like I just got to the point where he's like, where he tells um the guy who would play Lestrade in the uh Benny the Cover Patch uh Sherlock Holmes, um, <laughs> that's all I know him by. 
Um, so he, after that part, he tells him, like, that part where he's like, like, this is already set in motion. Like, I I can already see how this is going to happen. And all those events just flashed before that, his yeah. eyes. Yeah. Like, that is, like, to me, that is probably my favorite moment of the whole movie. Um, yeah. Even if maybe... Okay, yeah, maybe actually, maybe yeah. Okay, so what the problem that I had with that was like, oh snap, like, because I saw so many people's like, I saw, okay, so the little girl that gets shot in that sequence, and then like, there's Stephen Fry, like he's in that crowd of Guy Fox masks, and so like, I was like, wait a minute, did that stuff already happen or is this stuff about to happen as a result of them about to blow up Big Ben? And so I didn't think about the latter until just now. <laughs> oh, no. Um, uh, they, they are all dead. They're just there. It's because of the speech that she's saying that he was all of us. He was fighting for all of them, the freedom of all of them. Uh, oh, and so, when they, so they are all they're, actually dead. They're actually dead, yes. Oh, okay. So that's how I was supposed to see it. All right. Yes. yes. Um, All right. Got it. The, got second, it. the second fun thing is the, um, you you know, David Leach, the, the guy who directed John Wick and Deadpool yes, 2. Yes, the better, the, the better director from that movie, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know about that. I mean, because, because that director, I mean, that act, that other director, both of them are in this movie. Um, Leech is one of the people who wears masks at a convenience store. Not the guy who robs it, but a different one. And then Chad is the guy who is, and he legitimately fucking did this. The scene that they keep going back to of B when the prison, when the hospital prison burns down and he's standing and he's screaming, that's actually Chad standing there in a fire with fire retardant stuff, screaming legitimately with all that. That is so baller. Uh, Yeah, dude. So like, I don't, I don't care what you say. Also, I love how I love how Stephen Fry is like basically John Oliver, but like much like much more insane. Yeah, or much more cartoony. Uh, I, I would say he's more like um, I wouldn't say Seth Meyers. I wouldn't say Jimmy. I would say more Jimmy Kimmel than anyone else. That's something that Jimmy Kimmel would do out of anyone. Um, I would say the guy at the beginning is True. more Carlson than he is a Hannity. Hannity has more composure. Tucker Carlson's more of a cartoon these days. Maybe you could say he's like a male Nancy Grace, but that you have to, <laughs> like, like 2005, so I feel like Nancy Grace was a better component, but like, the it's again, not that what he's saying, it's the fact that he is lying and everybody knows it and nobody cares. They know the government is lying, they know the media is a mouthpiece, like Fox News, for example, and nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit. That complacency is what causes all of this to explode because one guy just happened to be there when it all started <laughs> and I got superhuman powers for it. So <laughs> that's where it gets comic booky. So yeah, like like I said, like also like I okay, so there were a lot of things that was not that I was taken aback by. Like the whole like the the bat, like like the story and like the meaning behind like being the meaning behind everything and like um, V being as charismatic as he is, 
I did not expect Natalie Portman to freaking crush this. Like, yeah. Stand this queen. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, she crushed. Like, wow. Also, that busted lip on Stephen Fry is really gnarly. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good effect. It is really good. I like when they shoot John Hurt in the head at the end. Uh, There's like that giant hole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, Natalie Portman by this point had already done some really good performances, but I think this is one of her first like legit, like hardcore will be remembered for, specifically for the prison scene. Not just because she cut her hair and everyone kept talking about how she cut her hair, but earnestly, I think what she goes through is amazing and the transformation is amazing. And the fact that she has to do it all against Hugo weaving in a mask is pretty impressive. Um, she gives a lot of a lot of heart to this film and gives a lot of empathy to a character who's just standing there faceless the entire time. So uh, it's pretty pretty impressive. And then I would also uh, lead to other things like Jackie and uh, particularly Black Swan. And um, I think Closer is really good too. She's really good in that. Annihilation. Um, Annihilation. Um, God, Annihilation is great. Uh, her raps. I love her SNL raps. I love Natalie Portman. I think she's great. I've always had a, um, a I, I've watched The Professional at a really young age, and so I kind of had a little crush on her. But as I grew up, after Star Wars and everything, I was like, she's fucking great. She's fucking great. Uh, I remember um, Garden State. She's like, she's a pixie dream girl in that, but at the same time, she's fun. She's like just a goofy girl. I like it, man. She's, she can do a lot of things. No strings attached. Yeah, she's great. So okay, so also regarding uh, Natalie Portman, randomly on my feed, what uh, uh, the the last scene from a movie called The Other Bolin Girl. Oh yeah, that's a good like one. where she's just bawling and trembling, and she's about to get her, and then she gets her head cut off. I'm like, why was this in my recommended? What did I watch to deserve this? Come on, you two. Natalie Portman's great, but like Jesus. <laughs> It's it, yeah. It became it became a bigger thing after the whole. Look at her crying when they're shaving her head. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, v, she just um, I think she's visiting V for the last time at the jukebox for me. I gotta be honest. I also, like that was actually my favorite line that when they're talking and he reveals that the girl that wrote the letters was real. Yeah. And like he says what they did was monstrous and she says and the, and then so they created a monster. I was like shit. <laughs> Damn. That was a, well, that was a called, really good line. She calls him out on his logic, yeah. Yeah. Cuz that's the thing she had spent she had spent time with the person and I think that she she came back cuz he asked for it and she assumed that it was a lie. Him revealing it and realizing that they that she had what she what he did was basically put her through his experience, not just anybody's experience, his, and showed that a story is what got him through to the point that he like made it through his situation and that he's doing this all for that lesbian filmmaker basically. So yeah. really, <laughs> like it's shocking. It's shocking to her in that moment, but. Like the, she's just like she's beautiful. Like, how did she imagine her in her head? Is is that the way we see her specifically? Um, and then she looks at him and she sees that he was a person. 
that he had empathy, that this was not who he would always was. And that for him to stand there and be like, just because they did this to him, that he has to be this. He doesn't. It's like Edmond Dantes. His revenge is more than anything else. She begs him at the end not to go because he knew even when he did that, like, it wasn't for anybody else anymore. He was doing it for revenge and he left her the decision to move forward. That, that it's not a revolution if it's about one man's revenge. It's a revolution if it's about the people who come after him. And that is why when she comes out of the prison and she stands in the rain, and even before they show it in the movie, I'm like, yeah, dude, he was born in fire, but she was born in rain. Like, you can, you can show people your story without having them feel the fire of it and have them still feel the same thing you went through safely. That's the power of storytelling. That's the power of a revolution. That's the power of an idea. And I I really saw it this time. Yeah. Yeah, like, man. There, there's a ton of meaning, meaning in this movie, and it, and it's, it, it all boils down to the few major ideas. But it's, it really is, just a incredible amount of detail that goes into this movie. I think it's interesting that this could have just been another revenge story. And I also think it's interesting that the revenge story could hinder and maybe kind of does weigh this movie down a bit. I think everything involving him and Edie and her art is way more interesting than him going off and killing people. But also that's very important. Those people are the reason why everything happened and like the downfall of them allows for people like Edie and the entire society once they come with their masks to change. They need to be gone. And the fact that he's willing to admit that the reason he's doing it is for himself and that if real change has to occur, it's not his choice anymore. That's super interesting stuff. Like, you don't have to tie those things together, but it's a very interesting revenge story that has all this weighty, like, sociopolitical um, discussion to it. Yeah. It's like a dog with society. Right. Um, like I said, I really like how it looked. I really, I actually kind of like, I actually kind of dug the action. Like, I thought it was well done. Really super smooth. Like, again, it's like, it felt like The Matrix, but it felt like it was, like, the action felt like The Matrix, but if The Matrix had, ow, ow, crap, crap. Um, if The <laughs> Matrix had, I'm getting old. Um, if The Matrix had more, like, tighter angles in its action, like, this felt like, much closer and like, but still controlled. Um, yeah, agreed, agreed. So yeah, like that. That was pretty. Uh, that was pretty good. Like, like it's really hard. Like, to watch this movie and say that it was done by anybody other than the Wachowski sisters, because I feel like, like even down to like the simpler. And down to like the finer details, it feels like a like a Wachowski's movie, but it wasn't directed by the Wachowski, which blows my mind. Like, yeah, dang! Like when she uh, turns to the camera and says no, it's kind of like when Neo says no after getting shot a bunch of times in the first movie. Yeah, uh, Hugo Weaving helps. Uh, and the and a, um, apparently the cinematographer is someone they used a lot, and he died 
uh, right around the time this movie was getting released, so it's dedicated to him. Also, the guy who, also the guy in the suit who is total, who is um, like interrogating like Evie. That's totally Hugo Weaving. Like that's yeah. totally that's totally him. Yeah, it is. You can tell yeah. by the shadow, like the whole shape of the shape of his head. Oh man, just yeah. Um. Um, so, like, the whole movie, the whole, like, the whole, like, theme and the elements of the movie, and, like, how the, how the music works and all that, it kind of felt weird. What, what was the song that played during the credits? Because, like, I was like, that's the song you're going to go with um, at the end of this movie? I can't remember what it was, but I remember liking it. Um... I'd have to look it up on the EMDB. Uh, yeah, because that, that really... I was like, that's really where I was going to go? Like, that's, um, the, that's the song you went with? So, it's a prospect that they were going for kind of a Fight Club moment, because Fight Club has a very memorable last song during explosions. Yeah. Uh, let's see what was it it was uh dang it gonna look on IMDb for the song I bet it's not the song that I'm singing right now cause the song I'm singing right now anyway but like yeah I just really like how this movie looks I like how um it was it was more nuanced than like like, oh, I'm oh, going oh, street, street fighting man by the Rolling Stones. The challenge. Okay, chow, yeah, yeah, that. Okay, now that it actually. Okay, now that I hear the title of that song, now that now that actually makes sense. Um, somewhat, revolution like, starting, revolution going. So, like, I like how it was more nuanced. Why did she kiss the toilet paper she found in the toilet? Um. What? So, or that she washed in the toilet? Oh God, no! <laughs> um, oh yeah, so, gotcha. yeah, yeah. That's gross. Um, so I like how it was more nuanced than like I'm starting a revolution. I'm like, no, you're doing this to get revenge. Like, I like that it wasn't that simple. Um, like, yeah, that's totally Hugo Weaving. That's totally him. That's his hair. That's his face. Um, so yeah, that's. I like the performances. Like, oh man, visually, I think this movie is gonna stick with me. Like, if nothing else, I'm gonna remember how freaking awesome this movie looks. Um, <laughs> that. The, uh, anyway, anyway, love, just yeah. You have a very good point about the action because I'm getting there right now. He's about to do. He's about to throw all the knives, and I do think the camera moves very fluidly. And um, it also has one of my favorite like stuntman kills, where like a, the stuntman went through a lot, where the guy falls on his neck, and you're like, oh, you know that hurt. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. How about when he grit? How about when he takes the baddie bad guy? 
like by the neck and he just like strangles him and just like snaps it just snap and just like, like he him. had he had lethally injected everybody up until that point and then that la- the, the, the that one guy he just gets his neck snapped oh like, i love it their hands um so yeah that's um that's pretty much all i, I got um got one last that I noticed this time, the one problem that I have with this movie. So V meets Evie when she is walking through the street to go meet her boss for a date. And uh, three officers find her and are very specific about how they will rape her like that night. And V comes in and he just knocks them out. She knocks all of them out. Doesn't stab them, doesn't do anything, he just knocks them out. I thought he, he killed goes, at least one of them. I thought he no, killed the last guy, too. Yeah. I mean, no, um, he just knocks him out. He just hits him real hard. He like, spares the rod, and he just hits him really hard. Maybe he kills him, but like he probably just knocks him out because all of them get knocked out. But then when he goes to the police station and the cops try and stop him, he murders all of them. And they just look like normal, everyday cops. It's like all of them get murdered. I was like, you're not... I, you know, these could be like average Joe people, but you let like straight up rapists go. Like, what's your deal, dude? I, the I only feel, time I was like, what's your problem? I, I feel like with that, it, it's more of. Cause, so you're going to defend rapists? Go ahead. Yes, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so, it, in a way, you could say that everything he was doing in the police station at the end had a purpose. Uh, that purpose being, um, it wasn't at a police station. It was at a TV station. Uh, yeah, 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 the TV station. There was a purpose. Every everything V has always done has been with a purpose. Uh, and I'm I'm guessing that like defending Evie in that one situation and killing those guys had no purpose. May I don't know. I'm trying to find justification for why he didn't kill them. In nothing, basically. My know? guess is, my guess is that opening scene is a James Purfoy scene, and uh-huh. I think that beginning of the movie where they were trying to figure things out. Maybe, maybe they didn't try to know. make it PG thirteen instead of R. Maybe, maybe at that point, but uh, maybe I, I don't know. But like, I this find was it, a rated R freaking movie, guys. Agree. No, no, I, no, no, I, no, no, no. It, so you're right, weird. Chris. It, I it, find it, it so weird. It's just like one of those things where maybe when they were shooting that scene, they weren't sure what they wanted the rating to be at that point. And so for that reason, they didn't right. kill him. At that point, they they, okay. they, 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 uh, they didn't kill the guys in such a brutal way because they weren't sure where they wanted to go to the rating. See, now, I get the same feeling about the first John Wick. That they just didn't know what rating they wanted. And so like a right. small chunk of the movie just feels weird because it's like unnecessarily nonviolent. By comparison, no, like I don't know. I agree. I think they knew this was going to be R, which is why I find the decision so weird that he would let like straight up rapists go and just have no context of who these cops are and just kill. And they're not even cops; they're security guards in a fucking TV station. Like, come on! I, yeah. I just thought that. Oh was- yeah, 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 yeah. So he would. Kill those guys, but then he knocked up the guys that were about to rape Natalie. I mean, they're totally, okay. totally going to rape again. Totally yeah, rape again. I, I'm, 
I'm wondering if they were still kind of questioning the direction of what they wanted V to do and maybe what, I, that's what, what, and, and even to an extent, what rating they wanted the movie to be. Cause I, it, you know, obviously it changed very quickly because, you know, later down the line, the movie is very hard R, but yeah, I'll be honest. There's no nudity. There's no, there's not a lot Except of all the dead bodies in the, in the, uh, the, uh, gay yeah. filmmaker story. Yeah, 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 but 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 that stuff's like later in the movie. Like, like the 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 question you have is like maybe during those first six weeks they're like maybe we're gonna make a PG thirteen movie and we're just not sure where we're gonna go with this, and mm-hmm. and after those six weeks they're like all right we're gonna get Hugo Weaving and we're gonna give this a hard R we're gonna push for a hard R. And yeah, maybe so... there other, yeah maybe there were other decisions that were made at not just. The changing of V. Maybe there were other things where they were like, why don't we just go hard R? Why don't we just like really murder people? Why don't we like really put net? Because the thing is, but then there's other scenes like, were they going to have a tamer version of when Natalie Portman goes to see the priest? Because that's a pretty fucked up scene. Oh, God. Yeah. It, it, oh, it, I it just forgot about that scene. <laughs> it's a fucking just, rough scene, man. It just really makes you think like maybe there's. Uh, obviously, she's in the rain now. Oh, this movie's great. There, there's there, maybe those points of the movie. Obviously, the movie probably wasn't shot uh, all with everything happening like in order of the movie. They obviously probably shot things like in bulk in sections where they had this set. And maybe, obviously, first off, they probably that first scene where she first meets him probably was with the previous actor, and they probably had some other stuff they were thinking about and doing and. They they just weren't sure what they ended up wanting to do, and at some point they were just like, you know what, we're gonna go hard R, we're gonna change the actor, we're gonna kind of go in a different direction, and it just kind of and they just kind of rolled with it and just said, you know, it's not like this perfect bloody thing that we were going for, but it works. Yeah, I feel like there were things that were decided along with. Purfoy that they moved ahead with. I just think that opening scene feels more like a tech. It feels very superhero-y. He seems very energetic and acting and like maybe yeah. it was an attractive woman and he saved his saved her life and he could do all this but like I feel like it's incredibly different than where the, the vibe goes later but there are other scenes of extreme like they can only be in an R-rated movie. No, like, I agree. Be so, there. So, so like so, Yeah. There, there's that weird Dang imbalance it. where you have to think about maybe they switched rating. They tried to switch ratings. But again, like, all, this comes, all this stems from the question of why did you let rapists go? Why did you let like you just, even forget the 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 TV people? Yeah. Like, yeah. Let rapists go. Sure, sure. Story wise, there's no explanation. It's it's a behind this. It's a TV person decision, <laughs> and they didn't write. They didn't write a justification for it because they didn't want to. <laughs> like. So, there's like, your just. There's your reasoning. <laughs> Something like just hit me. Sure. And it just adds more to the incompetence of the prequels. Guys, I just I am now feeling the weight that George Lucas. <laughs> okay, this is with the benefit of hindsight. George Lucas had Natalie Portman. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> he had Natalie Portman. He had Liam Neeson. He had Ewan McGregor. He had he had a. It's all hitting me right now. <laughs> like no, 
Because the prequels had an all-star cast. Literally, I know, they, they like, had they had a better see? cast than anyone could have asked for. I know how and, good. And... No, here's the thing. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. I know how good Liam Neeson is. I know how good Ewan McGregor is. Like, but like it's Samuel but, but, L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, yes, yes. Like Yoda, the real Yoda. But like right? I don't. But like out of all those people, I don't think anybody had. To me, like besides Ian McDermott, I don't think anybody had more of an important role in the prequels than Natalie Portman did. <laughs> and like they did that. Yeah, she had a really important one. Like yeah. she's like, I, I, oh my god, she's so great. And like that's what they they had Natalie Chris, Portman Chris, guys. Chris, like Chris, the weight is just hitting me I, right now. Chris, I want you so badly. I feel like I've been punched in the face. Chris, I, I want you to watch Annihilation. Like he just punched the mirror. <laughs> I want you to watch Anni- Annihilation so badly. Like She's really good in that, yeah. I, she's I, I think so she's good, good in that movie. And that movie is so interesting to watch, too, like visually. I, and... think, you should, I think you should take a break. Uh, I think you should take a break from whatever you're doing and chase what you're feeling right now and watch Phantom Menace and just realize when she's... The Senate was like, da, 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 and it's like, you're Natalie Portman. You can this do is my so decoy. My protection. Ah! Oh, God. Okay. Um, also, like, we, can't, like, we can't forget the fact that she was, she had a rough time during the prequels and she treated uh, Kira Knightley like crap. But, like, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Was, but, yeah. yeah. The, the thing is, Chris, is like, I don't know if you've seen like beyond Star Wars like actual Natalie Portman movies before, or is this your first one? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You looking up her IMDb? No, no, I'm going off the top of my head because I can do that. Um, I believe in you. Okay, so besides Star Wars, I feel like I've seen her in something besides. Okay, okay, sorry. Besides Star Wars and besides Thor. Thor. Yeah, besides Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those don't count. Those don't count. I, I've barely seen Thor. Um, God, I feel like I've seen her in something else other than. Uh, I. Um. I can't name it. I, there's got to be a movie I've seen I, that she's the, been the, in besides Star Wars or Thor. Like so, the the movies I think of when I think of her, I think of a few. I think of V for Vendetta, obviously, is, like, the big one. I think of um, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, I've seen that. I've seen that. I, I think of her in The Other Boleyn Girl. Oh, my God, you're picking some obscure movies for her, dude. I'm thinking of Black Swan. Black Swan's a big one. Uh, I'm thinking of she No Strings. Is Darcy in The Simpsons? Yeah. Oh. Everyone uh, was- at least one. Uh, yeah, everyone has been. Uh, obviously, I think of I think of Annihilation, but Annihilation's great. Um, um Mr. Begorium's Wonder Emporium. Yeah, I just said that. Oh, okay. All right. I'm, I'm... I I think of her in. <laughs> she was in Zoolander, but I don't think of her in Zoolander. Guys, okay, actually, so I have her... seen her. I have seen her in a movie outside Star Wars. You what did this? you see her? What did you see her in? V for Vendetta. That's not. That doesn't count. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to IMDb because you guys are being assholes. Okay, I'm gonna lose this. <laughs> oh, she was in Zoolander. She was in Zoolander. Hard, she's hardly in Zoolander, though. Okay, so okay, okay. Uh, 
here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. So first of all, Leon the Professional was her debut, and to be honest, Leon the Professional is an amazing movie. She's great in it. She's also in Heat, so we're gonna oh, see she her. Is in She's also in Beautiful Girls, which is um, an okay movie. Mars Attacks. So she was in a Tim Burton movie before Phantom Menace. Anywhere Mars right Attacks here was with... Tim Burton? Yes, Mars Attack was huh. Tim Burton. Where the Heart Is and Anywhere Should Right Here are that. both chick flicks, but they're all right. Then she did the two more Star Wars movies. She's in Cold Mountain, but a lot of people are in Cold Mountain. Cold Mountain's a, a curiosity wheel for sure. Garden State is a big one for her. Um, Closer was a... Um, a a big Oscar bait movie. Um, let's see. V for Vendetta. Then kind of small things for a while. She was in Darjeeling Unlimited, uh, a Wes Anderson movie, then a Wonder, Wonder Emporium and a Bowling Girl, both from 2007, 2008. So I think that's why you guys may remember it. will remember them well. She was in Brothers with Gyllenhaal and Maguire. She was in oh, Hesh with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Black Swan. She was in No Strings Attached. Your Highness, that's right, she was in a Danny McBride movie, uh, Thor. Um, then Thor 2. Thor 2, Knight of Cups, which is to Terrence Malick. No one movie. remembers Thor 2. Uh, yeah. Jane got her gun. Jackie, she was nominated for an Oscar for, for that. Song to Song is another Terrence Malick movie. Um, let's see, Annihilation, Vox Lux, and Avengers. Endgame. She was like, she was in some archive footage and had some voiceover stuff. Lucy, and then Lucy in the Sky was the latest thing she did about the astronaut woman who kind of went crazy. Um, yeah. Garden State, Black Swan, Leon, V for Vendetta, Closer. Annihilation. Thor and Annihilation. Those are big ones. Yeah. Annihilation. Uh, yeah. But but Chris, I I don't I I don't think Chris like you're ready for Black Swan. Black Swan's really fucked up in a lot of really well, weird that's ways. Darren Aronofsky in a nutshell. It is Darren Aronofsky in a nutshell. Though so I have seen the wrestler. I uh, Black I was, Swan uh, is really messed up. <laughs> the wrestler and Black Swan are the are very similar visually. It's a lot of handheld camera following the character walking around. Black Swan is super like I wouldn't say supernatural, but it does do things that mess with your mind visually there's some very disgusting gross things there's a lot of sex in it um and it's just it's about sexual oppression basically and how yeah this, yeah it's intense i wouldn't suggest it no there i would suggest for you with darren aronofsky that we stay away from stuff like Requiem for a dream for a while and pie let's not go near that stuff yet and um i'm more interested in your take in his religious stuff not mother but the fountain, and in particularly Noah, I'd want to. I want to see what you think about Noah. Noah's something. I'll tell you what. Uh, but Chris, but Chris, Listen, people in my circle do not like Noah, so it's going to be really interesting to see that. that that's fine. Like my dad's side, my dad's side really doesn't like it. I think it's misunderstood. I, I think it's misunderstood. Well, yeah. well whenever I, we see it, I'll, 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 I'll. Uh, uh, Chris, I, I really want you to see Annihilation beyond the fact that it has a bunch of like MCU cast in it. Well, so does and, Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, but it has it has Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, the dude who plays Wong is in it. Uh, I forgot what his name. Uh, Benedict, Benedict Wong. Wong. Ben Benedict <laughs> Wong. Wong is played by Benedict Wong. Damn. Uh, it has... <laughs> It has it has Oscar Isaac in it. 
Yeah. Oh, Oscar, God. Oscar Isaac gets around, so you know he he's kind of in everything. But uh, I think you would like Annihilation a lot. I think. Um, I th- I th- I think you need to. I think we need to introduce him to. I know you have seen some gross stuff with Riccio and Harker Henry, but like genuine That's like wild, gr- violent, crazy like, stuff. Cartoonish violence, whereas yeah. like actual gross, disgusting alien type shit we're gonna have alien though did did you see alien i know i'm not talking about the movie alien i mean like alien as in this is like otherworldly oh okay like imagery that will with your head like the bear (laughs) the bear like the thing everyone talks about when they talk about annihilation i don't know nobody everyone talks about the bear but the thing that people don't understand is the snake thing the, the worm thing there's the so pool. many things in that, that thing movie. is that yeah. thing is like that one gets me every time like oh that's gross it's a lot of great stuff but like the point the point that i'm making is like they are they are building to what is like the money shot of the movie which is the bear and that is it's this visceral gross thing that you like are fun like ew i get to see this ew gross thing i want to lean his hand a little bit closer because that movie is also kind really? of on this on this internal personal level it's like if arrival wasn't a positive movie kind yeah. of a thing <laughs> <laughs> there's so him wait Nigel so new being positive i've never seen it no <laughs> no but 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 chris this is alex garland who made like ex machina and and like 28 days yeah like this this is yeah like this is he that like alex garland very rarely makes very happy movies and very they're they're all often very thought-provoking and very like the world's kind of gonna go fucking crazy and shit type shit he's the perfect guy for sci-fi who understands that it's about asking the hard questions that get nihilistic that there is no god kind of like universe which is the point of monsters and stuff so i it's uh, he's annihilation is a gross movie more than anything but it also works on these very interesting psychological levels she's very great in it um oscar's isaac is really good in it too um i i I, think i I feel like like the thing or stuff like that we need to set you in a little bit first yeah Toe in the water with some other gross things first before we start getting into clear HD disgusting stuff. Yeah, Annihilation's so good though. Like, it, you know what's funny is, uh, and not to go too much deeper on this, but uh, I remember going to see it on a whim because Jess Boonsera or Boonsera, I can't pronounce her last name, it doesn't matter. Uh, Jess, uh, who worked at the theater with me and Alex, I think, Chris, you weren't there when Jess got there. Had I feel like well, I was. Maybe you were. I don't remember. Um, Jess had suggested it to me in, in not the, the way I, I particularly want to talk about. But uh, actually, not even just Jess. Jess, Peter, and, uh, and Tronson. Uh, Tron told me about this movie. And I just watched it on a whim at the theater. And I, was, and I loved it. And I tried to get Alex to watch it, and he never did. But What, Annihilation? Yeah, I always knew I was going to get to it because I loved Ex Machina so much, but, but ne- was never going to be able to get to it while I was working there. I wasn't able to watch any movies there. Yeah, I like I'm, came in. Well, I remember, I remember coming in on my days off and like jamming four movies. I think you worked one of those days because I went. Uh, I just like ran through a bunch of movies. I think that was 
the run that I went and saw Baby Driver. I saw War of the Planet of the Apes. Hey, I saw dude, Dunk- I was soupy jelly. I was soupy jelly. <clears throat> yeah, I saw Dunkirk, and then I, I think I saw one other thing, like some animated thing, I think, in the morning. And I, uh, I got there at open. I left in the last movie of the day. So uh, we. Oh, so does anybody else have anything else to add to it? I think I'm. I think I'm good. I'm good. I got. I, I got. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I think I've exhausted everything I, I've said <laughs> or I've got. Uh, great. Anybody have a great first right off the bat? Ah. Uh. I'm going to say a B plus, uh, maybe an A minus. It's, it's somewhere between there. I can't think of where. It's not a perfect movie, but it, it really hits home for me. It's really fun. I love Alan Moore's like, worlds. I love a lot of what I see. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's just right. Hits, hits me just right. I'm gonna go. I would. I would. If before 2020, I would have gone B plus. 2020, A minus. For two yeah. reasons. A, I think it does nail a lot of the things that are happening today, and yeah. just that incidental. But I also think it's not incidental, in that it happened at a time where like conservatives were abusing a little bit of power and letting us go to war just for certain things. But like everyone was feeling that way because of 9/11. You can't just blame. 9-11 was the thing, 9-11 was the big natural thing that, like, certain conservatives took advantage of while they were in power at the time. But it was going back and forth between Democrats and conservatives anyway. They didn't know when 9-11 was going to happen. It just happened when it did. Um, but those who saw what could happen when people were to abuse both forms of power, or faith in people and uh, how that's led into the government, uh, happening years later with Donald Trump, who saw that and was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to absolutely do that. I'm going to hit those baseless idiots and I'm going like, to go for them. And like, yeah, it happened. And it fucking sucks. <laughs> it sucked. And I didn't like it in real life. But as a movie, it's cool. You know, Guy Fox and then Natalie Portman in a school girl outfit. Why not? Uh, yeah. I'm fine with that. Baby girl outfit, lolly outfit. Um, I, but A minus because of watching it now, the script is tight, really tight, and the moments that work, Natalie is great, and Hugo Weaving, again, just proves that he's awesome, man. Just came in and was like killing it on all, all cylinders. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So then we just got the du- monologue from the detective, and the dude just shot the little girl, and now they're about to beat him up. Oh my god, A minus. Like, that is such a. Like, <laughs> and then now that now they're all kicking his ass. Okay, uh, Chris, Chris, have we have we turned you around to the thought of V for Vendetta? Like this is, I'm just saying this movie's beautiful. I'm just like, yeah. like if anything sticks with me, it's how beautiful this movie looks. Like now the Domino's just oh my gosh, like Domino. listen, low key, low key, the Wachowskis just oh they oh man. I know they didn't direct this, but for God's sake, like, man. It was meticulous. They do not, nobody talks about how well they can work a camera enough, but man. Yeah. You know, I was talking about this with Alex when I suggested this for the first time. I said, dude, I get this feeling like Chris is going to love this movie. And 
I just love a- how I just I just like I love how it looks and just like I just no, like it, how like I would like it's how nuanced it is and like how well performed it is. A, oh man, I I am teetering on the edge of an A, but like man, <laughs> give it an A, man. Why not? Give it an A, a Chris. Okay, I'll give it an A. I'll give it. Do an it, a. man. Like, We're all about it, man. Like you're watching even post- after like the first part of how this episode was going, like um, it was still great. I was part. not anticipating an A. I was. Dancing wow. with the B plus, but the more I watched this movie a second time, while you guys, were, while we were talking about it, it's just like, it just looks great. It's not as like, lack of a better term, black and white, unlike no, some people on this it's... call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do love, but that dude watching the movie as we're talking about it, sometimes you get convinced about things that you just completely forgot about. Yeah, it's. I'm gonna Honestly, watch a few. I think I'm gonna watch a few more like essays on it because like there's stuff about Evie that I'm not fully getting yet. But I'll I'm gonna I'm gonna learn more yeah. about that. Like yeah, dude, I'm gonna I, get. I, I, yeah, I watched a couple and there were some good ones out there. Honest, honest to God, Chris. Every time I watch this movie and every time I watch uh, study on this movie, you always learn something new about it. And the beauty of this movie is how deep it is. Is You'll never get enough about what this movie's trying to say. There's always more that you just haven't seen yet. Be for vendetta analysis. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I think, I think it's, uh, it has a lot to say. I don't know if it's like one of the most. I don't think it's as dense as um, Matrix is, but I do think that this is way more realistic in what it's saying, which is like maybe that admitting to yourself that you benefit. From from and are apathetic to living in a society where other people are suffering while you do not and being apathetic to that and just allowing that to happen whether that is induced because of ideas outside of your uh, own tension or not like that that that's real life like sometimes you have to go through that and that's what the movie i think that movie applies that more than how on the nose it is in the Matrix. Yeah, this, like, this, mo- this movie's way you... less on the nose about its uh, its themes than the Matrix. Yeah, I was about to say, like Alex, do you mean like the first Matrix movie? Because I can tell you, like, this is less like complicated than the Matrix than the Matrix sequels, and it is all the better for it. Yes. No, the first the first matrix. The first okay, matrix. The first matrix. Are, okay. Like once you get to the point where they say it's a computer program and it's like, yeah, the world's a simulation, man. Like it's a joke now, but once you watch the movie, you get it. You understand it. You're like, okay, this is what you have to wake up from com- like consumer. It's not the first movie to ever do that. There's a great John Carpenter movie called They Live. And it's about a guy who finds a pair of sunglasses and when he wears them. And he looks out, turns out aliens have taken over the world. And he looks at like just a normal billboard. And when he looks through the glasses, it just says the word consume and buy and like slave. It's just, it's, it's just, yeah. It's not the first time it's happened. It's more on the nose. In this case though, it, it really does present the society of people who are just like, we're the media. We don't make up the news. The government does. Like they just don't care anymore. Like to the point that a little girl, a little girl knows that when that V what V is saying is correct 
because she lives in a society that she knows is wrong, but her parents can't do anything. They have a little girl they're trying to raise. And these, like, why nowadays, like, you know you live in a rotten society, and this little girl's like, fuck yeah, I do. She even knows. Like, it's crazy. Um, Chris, I, I would hope that one day we can get you to sit down and watch Black Mirror, because there's so many things in Black Mirror that, like, are similar to the themes of this, and... It's fucked up. Dude, Black Mirror is fucked up, but, like, it's great at the same time. Everything um, I've heard about Black Mirror, it's like, like, here's my thing. It's like, I I don't want to like, ne- okay, so like the bait, I know, I know like the Matrix kind of does this, but like more often than not, I'm like, I don't really want to question if I'm living in reality right now. I want to question <laughs> what kind of, reality, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to ask questions. I don't want to like... No. Like I wanna like I wanna leave asking questions, but like I don't want to like Red Pill question like red, yeah. You know. <laughs> well well here's the, like, the that's thing what I've heard about Black Mirror. Like it's just well, like no no no. Combined, no, no, like no, 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 no 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 so Black Mirror Black Mirror's whole premise is about the dangers of technology. That that's really Black Mirror. Sounds about right. So it's iRobot. Yeah, it's the same thing. No, no, no. This is Black Mirror is more like Black Mirror is like if the Twilight Zone met iRobot. iRobot shows the dangers of technology, but it shows it as a noir action movie. Black Mirror shows it as if it was like at the very end, you know, whoever the main character is, whoever went through the story, they're getting fucked in the end. There's no way out of this. It's a Tales from the Crypt type thing. Like, it's nihilistic as fuck. It isn't yeah. that you simulation. It's that you live in a simulation and you wanted to live in a simulation in the first place. And you have it now and you like it. It's It sucks, but you love it. It's like, it, it's, yeah, dude. Like, you, once you start. That may I, be a little too much for me. <laughs> exactly. No, it, it, it exactly. is. It is. Like, the very first, I'm going to spoil this for you and spoil this for a lot of people, but the very first episode. There's a guy who gets in touch with the prime minister, and he says, if you don't fuck a pig on national television, I'm going to do this thing. And at the very – like the whole episode is just watching the prime minister try to get out of it, but he can't. And at the very end of the episode, he fucks a pig on national television. Black hair. And, and the best part about it is he is, – no, 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 no. That no. sounds Chris, funny. Chris, and at the so end funny. of it all, he does it for nothing. That's the best part about it. He does oh. it. Oh my god, it's it's so nihilistic. I mean, like, uh, yes, it's great, it's fantastic, but basically that's the point. It's like, yeah, we're, like technology runs the world, and all of us are trapped, and we're enslaved. The, and, uh, the, dude, and the 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 episode, dude, the episode I love is um the the um is the the um. <laughs> is the Waldo moment the one where he makes uh, the queer anime bear that ends up running for prime for uh, a political position? And at the end of it all, he just forms a dystopian police state, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> it's crazy. Um, it's like Mickey Mouse, like Disney fucking Nazi shit. It's so fucking uh, creepy, uh, disturbing, <laughs> dude. It's it's crazy, Chris. It's crazy, and I and it, it's so nihilistic. We we do this every time. We we want we push your limits a little bit. 
and then we tell you we want to push your limits more. <laughs> but, so, <laughs> I, I was afraid that it might might hit the um, your faith button a little bit. I'm glad that you were upfront about it. I hope you understand. I don't think that it was intended to do that, or that uh, that I, Zach or me wanted to give you that impression. I think the movie's a little bit more vague, more general about the the worst people who do who like use faith um than an actual like person of faith if uh, i ever get big if i ever get big in hollywood the wachowskis are like on like the top like amongst the top of my list of people that i'd want to meet because like the content that they make is i have so many questions and like that just be like a, a like a wealth of knowledge right there honestly i would say that, that you might want to look into sense because sense is really in really interesting sci-fi so there you go everyone um v for vendetta we made it we're all alive except peter zach we have not forgotten um what i didn't kill him chris going down zach you're going down wrapped in plastic I can't like okay, so maybe um maybe we'll get Peter back, maybe I don't know. But he really wants to come he, back on. He may he may it, come it, back on okay. Um it also depends on what we land on and what his timing is. Um right. he couldn't do he couldn't do it this week. A he's got a he's got a girlfriend who's actually recovering from COVID. And so uh, better and they're spending more time together. And then also no, I really did show him Twin Peaks, and he is literally like it's devouring his time. Like I was over there when we were recording, and his dad got us this like big calzone pizza, and it was so good. And I just was scarfing it down, and Peter was just like sitting there with his plate there, just staring at the screen. And I was like, "Dude, man, eat your eat your shit, man." It's like it's like Lost, man. It's like potato chips. You watch one episode, you have to see the next one, and it's yeah. only. Worse. It's only gonna get better. I mean, at that. So, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. That that's funny. I I didn't. So so you guys gave him a good time for the last yeah. of those three episodes. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah, it, we we, I, we do. I said what? to Zach, but the, the the two episodes that we did with Peter are enough content for all three movies to be watched in a row. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, so I, so Zach is back. All jokes aside, I'm glad you're back, Zach. I'm glad you're alive. It it took, it took a minute for me to get to my, to, to the alive point. Yeah. Um, so can't wait to have Peter on and have you, have him drive you insane with a four hour episode. Um, I mean, I'm all game for it. Like I'm fun. I'm fine with, with like having a good time and chatting about stuff. It sounds like you, you guys had a great time and he enjoyed the, yeah. the stuff. Uh, um, also, if you do want to keep being on this podcast, you will stand up for me when he says we, we, we should start over. Because I am not starting over. I, that is a worn uh, out joke. <laughs> you have to listen to the episodes, Zach. To I did, I did. I, 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 I did. I listened to Spider-Man 2 today and... I, I literally lost myself. It was so funny. You have to really go. He, you have to he seems to... he seems real big on the wanting to start over type thing to get it just hey, perfect. Man. 
That's what I'm saying. If this was his show, I'd be like, okay, let's start over. Well, it's your time, man. (laughs) It's still my show for now. I'm fully expecting that the Buttercast will eat the show alive. So, there you go, everybody. It's possible, man. Um... We, we Next just have time. Good, we just have a good time. That's all. We just yeah. have a good time. Next time, time, we will, as dictated by the Curiosity Wheel, we will do Princess Mononoke, our first Ghibli film, I believe. Alec, it's our first Ghibli film, but Alex, you're you're going in for a treat. First off, you're going down a deep rabbit hole of animated movies. First off, second of all, Alex. I, the 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 aforementioned it was written and I said Princess Mononoke is just Thunderdome. It really is. It's the same plot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it I, I'm not even kidding you. Literally, same generic plot as Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> like, it's 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 ridiculous, and I can't wait for you to text me this week and be like, dude, you were right. <laughs> I still gotta find a good way to watch it. So far, also, if I'm not, watch. if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I think we're I'm pivoting. Not sure. We're pivoting when, over to the Ghibli talk now. <laughs> I think. Wait, when did Mononoke come out? Ninety-three, right? Yeah, it was after. It was after. It was okay, after. So it came out. So it came out. Okay, so it came out ninety-three. I'm pretty sure Hideaki Anno, creator of yeah. Evangelion, had worked on this movie. Probably. Everything ties together. <laughs> it's all a big conspiracy theory. Maybe, um, I don't know. So next time, everyone, Princess Mononoke. Maybe I'll sneak some Mava talk in there. I don't know. I, I probably won't. But uh, so there you have it. Till next time, everyone. Say goodbye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Hashtag release the Wachowski cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>